The year is 2020. A wasteland and a field of ruin have destroyed our mana bases. There is but one solution, one way to save the metagame. Brave souls working for the benefit of us all. Welcome to the Astrolab. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Astrolab, the only podcast on the air that everyone wants to ban these days. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Dyer, and with me, as always, is Mr. Scott Campbell. How you doing tonight, Scott? Oh, sweet. Omen speaker, read the bones. Oh, hey, Joe. Uh, I'm actually going through my nephew's cards. Uh, he has either a full or partially opened... Uh, uh, what they call them, the Deck Builder's Toolkits from Magic 2014. Uh, he's in his mid-twenties now, wife, uh, got a kid, another one on the way. So he's been done with Magic for a while. I don't know if he plays Arena or whatever, but uh, my sister-in-law came over. She's like, oh, here, here's what's left of his cards that he could find. You can keep and sell them, whatever. So there's like M14 cards and Theros cards. So I'm seeing like Nylea's Disciple, Read the Bones, Actual Lay of the Land. So, uh, yeah, just going through some stuff. Um, been playing a little bit of Arena here and there. Uh, nothing really too exciting to talk about, except, like, winning with Mazes in, because that's always a lot of fun. And, and I'm fogging people, too, on, with Mazes in. I'm not, like, trying to play dumb idiots uh, or big creatures or wipe the board a lot. I'm playing Fogs, and it feels so good. Um, other than that, just, you know, there was something about, like, Disney Plus and some shows. It's no big deal. Really, right? <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about um, that. Oh, oh, yeah, we will. Um, before, before I pass it back to Joe, uh, I do want to mention that, you know, as much as we love talking about magic, as you all know, uh, you know, especially with this being episode 26 of our show, right? 26? Yeah. I've lost count. I part of that's due to 2020. Um, there's really not a lot magic-wise to talk about. Like, sure, we may mention some like tournament stuff here and there. It's really a lot of really kind of hard to follow when you only have like Magic Arena stuff to go on and maybe some Magic Online stuff here or there. Uh, so it's kind of hard to stay on top of like tournament things or even just playing the game. You also uh, have to know that there was an actual Pro Tour last weekend. Right. Which, <laughs> uh, it, it's so, the way they have it structured now is so, I've lost interest in trying to follow it. Let's yep. put it that yep. way. Um, it's awkward. So, yeah. Yeah. So we've we've talked about things beyond magic. And, and again, those of you who've been listening for a while know that this pretty much started when magic announced the D&D set. And we kind of spun that into talking about like the, the things we like watching. Like Joe's mentioned Doom Control. Uh, we've talked about uh, the Mandalorian, so you know, I, I hope you enjoy us talking about things that Magic players like that aren't Magic. That's a good chunk of our show. Sometimes, if you do, cool, thanks. Uh, if not, um, stay tuned to the end of the show, and you'll know how to contact us to leave us some feedback. Uh, Please but, don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
other than that, uh, Joe, how are you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just kind of staying busy. It's been kind of a busy week. Uh, I started ramping up on the data collection like project for Legacy. Oh, and okay. uh, started really kind of trying to push that and trying to get some people. And uh, we had the Legacy Challenge today. And that we actually got a reasonably, we were actually able to get, I had four or five people this morning uh, throughout the day working on it uh, that were in the challenge. And so by the end of the challenge, after, because everybody was kind of filling in who they were playing against round by mm-hmm. round, by the end of the challenge, we ended up with enough that we were able to really split up people watching replays to where they didn't have to watch that many replays. Uh, okay. per person and we had like three people at the end were able to sit around stick around and watch replays and nice. uh it worked out nicely and so we do have an actual full complete look at the today's legacy challenge metagame which had 87 players okay, which i not bad yeah usually well so usually the saturday ones are usually around in that area and it's just simply because they are take place at a time period that is pretty early in the morning yeah, um, they're trying so, to accommodate for the non-U.S. Yeah, uh, people, Euro- which... European and Asian players. Yeah. So the the normal Sunday challenge, which takes place in the afternoon, <laughs> probably has a lot more than that. So, which country do you think has more uh, legacy players that play in events like this? Japan, maybe. Uh, okay. I know there's a lot of lot of legacy in Japan, but I know also Italy uh, is a real big Eternal scene as well mm. so like legacy vintage uh le- there are a lot of italian legacy players uh okay. and um there's also just a lot of european uh, legacy players a lot of the people yeah. that i know that are uh bigger like legacy co- content creators mm-hmm. um you know uh folks like um callum smith uh julian knob uh those kind right. of guys uh the in response legacy podcast is all hosted by european players oh, so okay I'm so yeah, there are a ton of European players as well, and I think the European players tend to lean more towards the content side of things than anything. I think a lot okay. of the Japanese players tend to lead towards the spicy decks and just just placing well in events. So yeah, uh, because this particular event was also was won by uh, Blue White Bomberman, uh, which is the the Gyruda Bomberman variant. Oh and wow! The guy who the person who plays the deck. Uh, there was a single player in the event playing the deck, uh, and they went six one out of Swiss and then won the event. So for a nine one total record. So there's one person, and they literally spiked the event. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and nice. they they've been they've been repeatedly top eighting with this deck uh, for quite a while now. Okay, so this wasn't like out of nowhere no, or something. This like, they've okay. they've they've repeatedly been top eighting with this deck quite okay, a while good. and good. congrats to yeah, whoever that was uh, so that's canacan and they are japanese Can-a-can. okay and so now a lot of the the ongoing community like i just saw a post on reddit uh like a little bit ago today that's like does anybody know like somebody that we can translate to talk to canacan because they don't speak english uh oh, wow. <laughs> and so they were like can we talk to them because we want to find out like what they have to say about the deck and what they have to say about sideboarding and all that sort of thing, how they approach playing, all that sort of thing. I don't think they stream 
Uh, so it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there's a language barrier, but I think some people, the community is trying to make it happen. Well, have they talked to Saffron Olive? Because he always has access to small Japanese tournament decks. Uh, no? No? No. no. So no, okay, that, that not 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 that type of translation. No, Got, no. Gotcha. Okay. So that that's been was a good portion of my day. We also um, put up at least part one of the Christmas tree today. Okay. Same. Uh, yeah. Got at least the tree up, uh, and then yeah. got we're gonna do the ornaments and like the decoration part tomorrow uh, when my daughter's home. So yeah. she's spending the night with the the grandparents tonight and. Nice. So and so she gets to get, she got to kind of go off while we did the tree part because uh, we had to do a whole bunch of moving stuff around <laughs> yeah, to get to that, putting the tree up. That that so, can be always a, a challenge trying yeah. to get everything moved around so like the tree's not on top of you or whatever. Yeah, it's in a comfortable spot. Um, yeah, we we got the tree up. We, uh, my wife did the window treatment. Um, from the inside uh, mm. earlier this week and she put the tree up while I was doing laundry and she's like, ah, ornaments, well, whatever. Yeah. So we'll, still we'll tomorrow. Wind, yeah. We'll probably wind up doing those tomorrow or Monday or something, yeah. but yeah, we um, did it. We did all our outside stuff like a month ago. We just didn't turn it mm-hmm. any, any of it on until yeah. after Thanksgiving. So, uh, and then just been, uh, doing the, the Star Wars Lego Advent calendar, which has yeah, been yeah, I've been noticing a that. lot of fun. <laughs> so I I got to take a picture of the one today, but the the one we opened today was the Porg. Okay, so, and that was kind of fun, but they make you wait really hard. You have to go, you have to go to the end of the calendar Oof. to get to the special figure, which is the the Darth Vader and the Christmas sweater. Oh, okay. So you have to wait to the very end. I, I, I do like how you now have a truly accurate uh, razor cut, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah, uh, my wife was like, hey, look, I made it show accurate, and I was just like, oh, God, <laughs> like, it's great, <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> so, and it stayed that way, we haven't put it back together. <laughs> uh, neither has he. Nope, so. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, uh, we've had a lot of fun with it. We had a Dio and a Santa hat, which was kind of fun. Okay. So, and there's a little tiny, I got up with the, I think yesterday's was a tiny little Millennium Falcon, uh, which was kind of fun. So, yeah, it's crazy, man. When we started this uh, podcast back earlier this year, suddenly now we're, you know, near the end of the year and it's almost time for Yargleness. Yeah. Oh my God. This can't, it can't come any sooner. I'm surprised that the Magic community hasn't, like, changed Christmas to Yargleness. Like, It'd be perfect, right? Right. Can you see Yargle with like a Santa hat? Like <laughs> that'd be a, that'd be a sweet secret layer, right? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, do we do? So we had a couple things we were going to talk about. We we're going to talk about secret layers. We we're going to talk about. I guess you had some modern decks to talk about. Yeah, uh, just some trends I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about Kaldheim wild speculation? Because uh, apparently, I guess a poster showed up on reddit mm-hmm. and i was just like i okay so apparently yeah. the 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 best wild speculation we can make with call time so far is that there's going to be a, like a bunch of like cool like death metal and like fun metal type like how we got the metal cards 
I'm Party ju- hard, try I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that the the showcase treatment is just that mm-hmm. for this set because oh my god, I would die. I would just be so happy if that was the case. Oh, like they did with Ikoria, where yeah, they had, like, like the comic, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah. But yeah, have like the metal type, yeah, because the because th- the poster's very metal. Because I think that's what was confusing about all the different types of cards in Ikoria, because we went from having just here's your card and here's a showcase version of it, and like uh, uh, Throne of Eldraine, and then Theros Beyond Death. I don't think had anything special. Then you get to Ikoria, and then there's like Godzilla cards, and then there's like comic book art cards, and it's like, so which one's like the special art treatment, or are they both, or what type of promo is this? Like they're looking for a name or a tag or something. Yeah. So that, that while it's cool, the Wizards are doing all these different treatments, like we we need to classify them in some way because we don't want to, you know, as just like we don't want to misrepresent people, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, we don't want to misrepresent misrepresent like things that we're talking about either when it comes out of these products. Right. So, so I like um, the, I like the call time, the poster off of Reddit yeah. in the, into the uh, show notes. And this is just, this is just wild. It's, you know, it's Kaya and she's got, you know, her axes and she's rushing at this looks like this freaking troll of some sort. Mm-hmm. And we've got angels in the air and we've got demons below. And then we've got the word called in a really mm. metal-looking font. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm just... I'm feeling something on this right now. What if... What if this is a saga? Oh, God. Yeah. That would be cool-looking as a saga. Yeah. Oh, man. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. There, there might be too much art going on to make it a saga. I'm trying yeah. to think of where, like, the card text would fit or whatever. Yeah. But still, like... They could just bring know. back sagas in literally every set, and I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, I, like I think a, I think that mechanic is really cool. Yeah, uh, like that that troll and these angels, right? And, oh man! And then, and then there's like there's like all this like leak hearsay that we're gonna see um, Tybalt in this uh-huh. set, and then that we're also gonna see Oko again in this set, uh-huh. and that there's gonna be snow. Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm sure snow was gonna be a part of this anyway. Yeah, but. I have a feeling. That that was going to be the case, yeah, is that we were going to see snow. And I was just like, I, I, I can only commit, consider that the thought process was, well, we just gave all these people this really cool snow cards in Modern Horizons, and people mm-hmm. really like snow. <coughs> really like snow. <laughs> right. Maybe we should let them play it in Standard, too. Oh <laughs> Let's invalidate basic lands, or no, normal basic lands in Standard as well. Right, and, and validate normalized lands. Like, right. that seems to be totally not Social Justice Warrior 2020 right yeah, there. But, it's just so funny, though. But yeah. Or I guess in this case, 2021, because it doesn't come out the next year. Yeah. But, um, I'm still excited, it, though, for the set. Like, oh, oh, yeah. I, it's like, it's going to be certainly interesting. And I'll, I'll admit, at first, when we knew the set's coming out, I'm like, Kaldheim, all right, cool. Vikings. Strixhaven, meh. Forgotten Realms, yeah, all in, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're here. And Kaldheim is, I'm sure, previews... I'm sure we'll get something, probably a Planeswalker or two, or two before, knows how Before many. the holiday, maybe. We'll, we'll, we'll probably get them on, on, on Yargulmas. Yeah. Uh, they tend to do but, that, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the closer we get to it, the more I just... I, I, I want to see what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm getting 
organically I'm getting excited. Like, yeah. It's not like a, oh, here's another magic set got to hype up about it. You right, know? right. Like, I, like why does Kaya, why is Kaya wielding uh, hand axes? You know, yeah. Like, why, when did she pick up the two-weapon fighting feat? Why is she well, she's always had plate the, armor? She's always had the two-weapon fighting feat because she's always played, fought with two, two knives. Oh, but okay. you know, oh, yeah, yeah. but That's... you know, when did she get weapon proficiency in you know hand axe? Well, actually, yeah. if she is a rogue, then hand axe would be. That's true. Uh, so yeah, if these are hand axes, not battle axes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's doing d six plus her sneak attack damage. You know, yeah, all that stuff, huh? Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's uh... but in full plate. Kind of hard to sneak in full plate. But <laughs> sure, whatever. Well, she can turn and she can turn ethereal. So. Oh, so she must be a, a shadow dancer. Or yeah, something. she can she can turn herself ethereal because that's her power. Oh, so, okay. so yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm excited for the set. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's funny. Like last episode, we talked about you know metal bands, and I mentioned Sabaton. Yeah, and I see this poster, and I'm like, holy crap! It's it's the Sabaton right? set, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's straight. It's, that's it's, what it feels like. Yeah, it's straight up Viking metal Sabaton. Here mm-hmm. we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I'm now, gonna... when when are we getting the Fear Factory set though? <laughs> uh, I don't know because that's more like you know digital metal type slash you know things that are about like technology and sure you know the human condition of technology and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's a set that ties into that. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that'll probably come 2022. By the way, uh, D Manufacturer still holds up. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's still a a highly decent album, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So I mean, that's that's Kaldheim in a nutshell. I think is what we know right now. But I I, yeah. I think that the the best wild speculation I can make is that if we get Tybalt back, uh, I bet Tybalt's card doesn't suck. Yeah, I, I just hope it's not like the exact opposite of sucking. Yeah, that's true. Because like, because then next thing you know, it's like all those. Uh, how can I be kind here? All those humans out there who took their blue-white Stoneblade decks and just jammed Uro and, Gre- and Greenlands in there, now they're going to find a way, oh, i got to splash double red for this hot, ubiquitous, mythic, new uh, Tybalt to put the deck to because <laughs> cards did. Like, so... Gross! Just stop! 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 Yeah, stop, stop, I. Stop, 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 stop. So I mean, I, I think it actually does make sense though, because you know most most sets have, uh, you know, three planeswalkers, you know, around there, two to three planeswalkers per set. Yeah, and there's and, enough of them to get away from the Jastis League right. and planeswalkers. Who so we have like so we have Kaya who's Orzov. Yeah. We have yeah. Tybalt who's probably just straight mono red. Sure. Uh, and then we get Oko who's more than likely Simic. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That. I don't know what, how I feel about Oko, but, I mean, obviously it's not going to be the same Oko, and maybe it's a more, from what I've seen of the supposed leaks, mm. it seems like it's a more balanced card. Yeah. So. They're, they're, uh, yeah. It, like. I don't, ha- I don't have anything against the character, oh, obviously. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know enough about the character really, like, yeah. have a say one way or another. Like, to me, the change from... Ravnica and all the things that happened in Destruction, War of the Spark, to immediate flip to Throne of Eldraine just just threw me off. It, mm. It's it was like unplugging the unplugging the power from the back of the computer instead of turning it off normally. Mm-hmm. 
and I, it just it's taken a while for me to be like, do I even really care about the story? Like what what's going on? Whatever. Yeah. So um, the, uh, the the thing about Eldraine is still is like that Eldraine is still like the the set that it seems to be ruining formats. <laughs> it's crazy. It's it crazy. Like people were, I was, I was listening to the act to the goldfish cast this week and they were talking mm-hmm. about standard and they were like, you know, the standard decks are literally just Eldrain cards and mm-hmm. some new cards. Like, but it, the, the core of the decks are all centered around Eldrain cards because Eldrain, there was just so much stuff. Yeah, was it the Gruel Adventures deck now? Yeah, kinda yeah, yeah. Causing problems? Yeah, Gruel Adventures. You know, there were cards that were just like, you look at them and they were just overpowered for standard. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like the cards that they've banned, like Oko and Once Upon a Time and stuff like that, but like cards like Embercleave and, you know, Cat. Yeah. You know, they had to ban the Cat, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that was, the, that was a, a, you know, two card combo out of that same set. All even. the witches familiar yeah, and, and the uh, yeah, cu- you know, culture familiar and the witches yeah, oven, yeah, witches oven, yeah, yeah. So, and it's just like, and then like all like the food related stuff, like the wicked wolves and you know all your, you know, trail of crumbs and you know those cards, the fl- oh. all the flash cards and just like everything about that set was just absolutely busted. Yeah, it, it's like it's like so many cards have been banned between when Throne of Eldraine and now. That mono green food is just a deck. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, wait, what? And it's still like, just cards from Eldraine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, it's wild to see. So, I mean, I, I hope that next year when that all stuff rotates and everything, that maybe things are on a swing towards better. Because I, I, I kind of felt like Zendikar Rising was like good, like in that regards. Like there was an appropriate amount of. Outside of like Omnath, you know, yeah, the same, yeah, um, this, Omnath uh, aside, you know, that was like the only card that was like, okay, this card was clearly super busted. Everything else in the set was just fine, right? Like, if you take away Omnath, yeah, the there are so many exciting cards in Zendikar Rising, Skyclave Apparition being one of them, right? Uh, but the cards that are in that set were finding homes in other formats, but doing so in just an organic way, right? Like the the storm decks started using uh, Sal- Salundi's vision. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right. Salundi uh, vision, yeah, yeah, and, and Valakut's awakening, yep, uh, to uh, help go through their deck. Um, and we we had, of course, the the double faced land card, land spell cards, where that made oops all spells a deck in modern, for right, example, right? You know, but um, those things weren't. Here's the Chase Mythic guys that all of our players are going to want to buy all our packs. You know, like your Uros and your Omnas. Right. It wasn't like that, and that's how it should be. Like the standard cards, when when you print up, when you make a set for standard, you want those to impact primarily the standard format. So I hope we get a Saltai Oko because we don't have a Saltai Planeswalker. Yeah. And I, I think now would be a perfect time for it. To yeah. Be honest. I I hope we get a a good. Salty planeswalker at some point. Like. Yeah, but but you know you can make it to where, um, sure you can't probably you probably can't ever use uh, three colors makes it harder to cast. You probably can't use that again. No, because uh, Omnath. But uh, you can power it down enough to where it'll be a powerful effect in standard, 
and people want to play with it, they are playing standard even at the competitive levels. But all the other formats would be like, oh, this would be neat for my EDH deck. Or I may try this as like a one or two of in like a modern deck. Or, you know, legacy players would be like, oh, maybe it's good Nick fit. Um, <laughs> it, we'll it, make that joke every, every card, it, Scott. Oh, oh, sure. Absolutely. But, you know, we shouldn't be having these constant, you know, upheavals, pun intended, uh, every new set. And, you know, I hope I hope Kaldheim goes in that same direction where it's like, here's a fun set, here's a story, here's what's going on. Get us back to actual magic and not like, here's this expensive card and we want to make money and da-da-da-da and just all this other just junk that people have hated for the last probably two years. Yeah. Probably since War of the Spark, really. Yeah. Yeah, a lot <sighs> of people disliked War of the Spark. But anyways, yeah. so uh, <laughs> well, before we talk about secret layers, I know you wanted to touch real quick on some modern trends that you were saying. Yeah. I, don't, I don't play modern, so I just... <laughs> no, it, it's all good. And, and that, that's the thing I, I really think is unique with our podcast is most podcasts, like the host, all usually play the same format, right? Like you play Legacy, I'll play a little bit of Legacy. I play modern. You play modern once every three full moons or something. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Like, like you're you're like, hey Scott, kind bar or whatever, right? You know? Or like get Zach Denger and be like, hey Zach, build me a deck or right, like, exactly. Or Zach wants me to come out to a modern event, you know, when that we had Paper Magic. You yeah, know? Zach, Zach will build his Tron deck with Oath of Nyssa and like uh, a Nickel Bolas Planeswalker or something, and, and then he'll hand me Jun with Beta Bolts. <laughs> right. It was the last time I played Modern, Scott. Was that that Modern event at Epic or at uh, No Limit? Was Man. when I played Jund, and I went three one with Jund. And Beta Bolts. And I, I still to this day will say that the reason I went three one that night was because of those signed Beta Bolts, Man. and they are in a terrible condition, but they are still signed Beta Bolts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, nothing wrong anyway. with that. No, not at all. And to kind of go on what I was mentioning with, with Kaldheim, when I hope for Kaldheim and what we've seen with Zendikar Rising, is that, you know, there might be some cool things to try, but eventually Modern will just shift back to where it was before the new cards came in. And I've been seeing this lately, because I'm not playing Paper Magic, of course, right now, because Wave Arms in Air 2020. Uh, and I don't want to play Magic Online, because the more I watch or look at information from Magic Online, it's, if you're playing Magic Online, what I've seen is you have to be tuned to the top, like, so many percent of whatever the metagame is in order to even have a chance. And I'm like, I I just want to pay bills and play Magic and hang out and, and meme. Like, can I, can I do that? Like, you know, not meme as far as gaming, but, you know, just... I, I don't want to take it too seriously. I mean, you can meme on Magic Online. Oh, sure, absolutely. Like, <laughs> man, what can I do? Maybe I could play like Sun Titan and, and get Fantastical Images back. Yeah, yeah, man. Solar I mean, Flare. That, that was a good time. I mean, there's there's certainly plenty of meme decks to play. Oh, I'm uh, sure, but they um, would, you know, I would just be burning money. Yeah, I guess well, that depends on whether or not you're playing. That I think that's why I enjoy having a rental service. Like, yeah, because I do get to meme a little bit. And, and, and I don't, I don't have the equipment to create content. Like yeah. if I was, if I was so invested, like with my after work time, to create content, like almost on a full or even part time basis beyond just writing and doing this podcast, 
Eh, sure, I could see maybe getting a rental account, uh, setting up Patreon, all that stuff. Getting a rental account uh, and, you know, memeing, like playing, taking old archetypes from standard, bringing them into modern and see what they can do. Yeah. Um, and, and just some stuff like that, right? Case, and maybe I, maybe I will eventually. I don't know. Case in point, I played against Hollow One and Legacy the other day. Wow. It's Hollow One and Legacy? Yeah. Were no. they running Dark Slick Shores? No. Okay. No, it was it was uh, Jund Hollow One, huh. with uh, like Lion's Eye Diamond and uh, Faithless Looting and uh, she's it Flame Blade Adept, you know Hollow One, you know Basking Root, wow. Vengevine. Um, what was the Bomat Courier? No, no Bomat Courier. <laughs> no, oh. it was it was it was strictly a Hollow One deck because they they were okay. playing all the Hollow One cards and like Insolent Neonate and um, what was the other card that I saw? Oh, Ox of Agonus was one of the cards nice. I saw, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, and Burning yeah. Burning Inquiry. So yeah, it was okay. it was a deck. I was like, okay, cool. So neat. But uh, yeah, so I mean, there's. Legacy, especially, what I like about Legacy right now is there is that capability mm-hmm. of playing a deck that kind of looks like a meme on paper, but you're like, oh yeah, I see why this is this is good. Like, well, that's yeah. how Hollow One started. Uh, right. Saffron Olive, you know, was playing that and like, oh, I'm just against the odds or whatever. Playing Hollow One, people are like, oh my god, that that actually works. <laughs> Buy the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a deck in the format right now that is is mono black and it plays curses like oh like yeah. like curse of misfortunes and uh you know curse of death's hold and cruel reality yeah, and, and it's playing uh uh karn the great creator to yeah, help with the prison strategy yeah, right yeah yeah it plays karn and it plays helm of obedience and it plays leyline of the void for the helm leyline kill and I, and I almost Almost built that deck, and it's a card. It's a deck that play that plays a sheer non-bow because it plays both Chalice of the Void and Dark Ritual. Um, <laughs> That's right, yeah. But <laughs> I forgot it works really well. Oh my so, goodness! So I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's a neat looking deck. Like it's a shout out to Reeple Cheap. He's the guy who basically made that deck a thing. Mm-hmm. Reaple cheap. That's the other thing I like about your legacy content that you provide. I hear all these like really unique and and just weird uh, 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 MTGO names, and it's just it's so delightful. Yeah. So let's talk about modern. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so what are you seeing in modern? So, so so what? Just what I see in general, like especially the last couple of years, like since the War of the Spark era, Modern Horizons, all that, like these just this influx of new cards. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, where it's like oh. Uro's out. Now I have to put Greenlands and Uro in my blue-white Stoneblade deck just because. You don't. You shouldn't. But we're we have we're humans and we follow a herd mentality. It just it is what it is, right? But what I'm seeing is some of that retract now. Like I, I don't have any other access outside of MTG Goldfish, and occasionally I'll pull up the website on the weekends. Oh, what's going on in this deck in modern? And just look at the decks I have. So for instance, in Dredge. All the talk was Silver Smoke Ghoul and Smiting Helix uh, when Corset 2021 came out. Well, those are gone now, and we're back to doing things with Bloodgast and just having four of our important creatures. Uh, and we're up to three Oxvagonus now, 
And I'm also seeing Blood Moon over Thoughtseize in the board, which I find really interesting because you kind of screw yourself on Life and Alone. So I'm kind of interested in how the sideboarding would go with that, or maybe you just don't care about Loaming or whatever. Who knows? Uh, so I thought that was neat. Um, Azurius Control, which is more uh, my speed. Um, the Stoneforge, Stoneforge Mystic Package is out. We're going back to more instant speed and Planeswalker focused, having three Teferi Time Reveler, two Jace Mind Sculptor, uh, two Teferi Fear Dominaria, and the rest are Snapcaster Mages and, and a bunch of spells. Uh, whether they're Delay, Remand, Mana Leak, doesn't matter, a couple Sweepers, Aether Gust main deck maybe. Um, so yeah, uh, up to 25 lands now too, which is kind of interesting. Um, we haven't really been uh, around that type of area for probably a long time, if ever. Um, I remember there was more of a tap-out style control. We're using Wall of Omens and getting the, of the last trials or, or whatever uh, years ago. But we, we've kind of grown away from that. So it'll be interesting to see how that holds up. Uh, Jund, my boy, Jund. Uh, Assassin's Trophy is out. And now we're seeing maybe a single copy of Abrupt Decay or maybe even just a Maelstrom Pulse in. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I've even seen some like some deck list shave two Liliana the Veils to go down to just two to make room for two Nile Spell Bombs, which adds to the Goyf count and also helps against decks like Oops All Spells. So that's kind of weird. Uh, and then in, uh, in Tron, uh, Ugin the Ineffable is out in Mono Green, the non-Eldrazi Tron deck. And Oblivion Stone is back in. So I guess it's coming across more decks that maybe have a bunch of uh, threats on the board real early, like Death and Taxes, Humans, maybe things like that, and need some type of sweeper. I mean, it's fine. It works. Um, you just got to watch what you play beforehand. That way it doesn't get hit by the stone. Um, keep an eye out for Tails End. Uh, coming out of the blue-white decks, they can essentially stifle your activation of Oblivion Stone. So that's kind of a, a bad time. But yeah, it just it, it's nice that I'm sitting here worried about when in the bleep am I going to play Paper Magic again. And I can feel comfortable that, oh, my deck that hasn't changed in nine months, I can still go play it at a store. Like, I, I don't... I don't feel like I'm going to be behind of whatever's going on in the meta. And that's why I stepped out of standard mostly is because I would build a deck for standard, play, maybe go 2-2, two, 3-1, two, whatever, right? Then between then and next week, oh, i got to get this card. I, I saw this deck last week. i got to update this and make some changes. And then by the time a month went by, my deck has changed from when it initially started. And looking back on that, sure, while that may have been fun and that 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 drug, you know, get that going, it was actually kind of bad. And I probably shouldn't have done that because I'd probably just burn a bunch of money doing it that way. Where in Modern, I want to buy a deck, and if I have the card, cool. If not, I really need to think, do I need it? Like, I'm even starting to see, like, Fulminator Mages coming back in the Jun sideboards over Cleansing Wildfire, which... I never thought would have happened because Cleansing Wildfire is one less mana and draws you a card and gets around uh, Veil Summer. So if people just aren't playing their Veil Summers against Jund, 
well, you know, you're doing it wrong because um, <laughs> there's a lot of black cards in Jund. But yeah, it just it, it's weird. I, I, I'm hungry to get back into playing Paper Magic just to kind of see what's going on on, on the front line, so to speak, and get my hands in it. But uh, 2020. So this is all I got to go on, and so far I'm 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 okay. I don't I don't feel like I'm I'm going to be left in the dust once the gates open and we're able to go back to stores. Yeah, about the same. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, um, secret layers, dude. So we got like, some news on secret layers. Well. Before we get into that news, something I noticed with the secret layers, uh, and I'm going to pull it up here uh, because the internet is a thing. So I was looking over the secret layers when they were doing this announcement. I'm like, how many secret layers have there been? And they're not individually numbered like Bitter Blossom Dreams, number one or whatever. But, you know, just going down the list, I'm like, oh, that, that's... uh. That's uh, that, that's uh, a lot of lists here on this MTG wiki link. Uh, but another thing I noticed is, oh yeah, there's a collector's number next to them. Yeah. So like the Eldraine Wonderland numbered uh, one through five, but that came out, or that was released uh, December, oh yeah, that was in, in that first batch, uh, December of 2019. Um, right, right. But some of the ones that they've released over the years, they haven't been following the same sequence. So, like, for instance, uh, Prime Slime was released in August. That was numbers 133 through 137. But seven days later was the Every Dog Has Its Day. That was numbers 096 through 099. Mm-hmm. So what, I, I'm, what I'm pulling from this information is that they've had this sitting ready to go fully developed before they even mentioned the first secret layer. Yeah, I'm sure. All, all of it was printed, ready to go, uh, the release dates, everything. It's just been, all they had to do is press a button. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. So, yeah, there, there's no stopping this train because there's, no. there's a whole bunch more coming. A no. whole lot more. Yeah. And the biggest thing about that, about what's coming is that we're going to get more of the artist series ones? Oh my goodness! Yes. Uh, so h- how we got the one with Seb McKinnon? We're going to get mm-hmm. more, uh, and they already confirmed that one of the first ones that we're going to get is uh, Johannes Voss. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I'm a big fan of Johannes's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very very cool dude. Uh, but then also uh, we're going to get uh, Kaja and Phil Foglio. Yeah, and I think that's... I think it's Folio. Folio, yeah. Maybe. I, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure either, but I... I sure. I've never I've never met him, so... No, no. I, they're a very... Yeah, from what I understand, like, they're, they're, they don't they don't really do a whole lot of event travel. Right. Uh, so, but it's cool, like, to see that, like, they're getting their own, because they've, they've done some really neat magic cards. Can, uh, can we touch on just artists for a hot second? Like... You and I have been playing long enough that we remember back in the day where your playmat that you that you're playing with you either got from uh, a game day championship or the GP you attended because you got that for your uh, included with your entry into the main event. Right. Like you couldn't buy 
playmats from an artist or ultra pro didn't run out like a series of five new playmats with every set or um what's another thing like or, or was even cards getting signed like like that's another thing that that you know was not a thing really a lot back in the day like right. artists didn't think that there was a whole lot of money in it well turns out you know, yeah, there, there, there kind of is. Right. People want this stuff. They're hungry for it. They're willing to give you a lot of money for your prints, your original art, whatever. Right. Um, so when it comes down to these artists and the reason why a lot of us are like, <gasps> when we hear their names, like, for instance, uh, Johannes Voss. Yeah. Uh, artist of Restoration Angel. And I'm right. sorry, that original art from Avison Restored is some of the most beautiful art I've seen on a Magic card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, the the folios, um, Mishra's Workshop, or not Workshop, um, So many things. So many pieces. Oh, yeah. So. Um, just, just go type in their name and MTG into a Google search engine, and you will see all their old art. Yeah. And I'm yeah. talking old like some of the original pieces of art that were made for the game back in its earliest days. Yeah. Uh, and they're beloved by fans to this day. And I don't even think they've done a card uh, for a long time. For a while. A lot, for a while. Mirrodin? Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. Darksteel? If not. Well, let's see here. Well, we can do a search for Phil. And. Yeah, it's it's all older art. I'm not Yeah. I'm not seeing anything like Tempest. Yeah, it's it's been it has been a real while. Yeah, so, so. It, it, I don't even think they have any new bordered arts unless it's been like Magic Online only or whatever. Yeah. But, so yeah, if you like the old pre eighth edition stuff, go go take a look at just some of the goofy stuff that that these artists did yeah. and a lot of these artists especially like the the folios were uh creating art not for the digital age right so, so this this was all done organically so yeah, th yeah. this is going to be a big deal they did leak a sketch or preview a sketch yeah i have a feeling that's either going to be goblin bombardment or goblin grenade yeah yeah uh, i think goblin bombardment would be fun yeah, cause yeah, there's these there's these cheesy grinning goblins with goggles on, flying through the air. They're holding each of them are holding a, a barrel, a barrel of like TNT or gunpowder or whatever with yep. a wick. Yep. Oh, and it just looks so cartoony, and so just fun. Yeah, and, and and it's it's their style of magic, and it's absolutely perfect. So. Yeah, and then that's um, also like now we're also kind of like in that speculation that oh we're getting more artist series. Mm -hmm. uh, who also just had a Kickstarter this past two months? Who mentioned that she was getting an, a magic, hmm. uh, getting to do magic art next year? Ah. Hmm. Uh... <laughs> Hmm. Rebecca Gway. Yeah. So I'm guessing we get a Rebecca Gway secret lair. And... I, I think it's pronounced gay because hashtag gay pride. Yeah. Well, okay. Sure. Rebecca yeah. Gay. Yeah. Uh, but we... she's she's get might probably gonna get a uh, a um, secret lair. I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, my god. Artist series secret lair. So and that would be great because she's just like one of the goats of magic art. Like <laughs> she's so well beloved. 
in the magic community for her art, and she hasn't oh. had a magic card in forever. So, uh, of all the artists that are, of, of all the artists in the now we know who the problematic people are in magic <laughs> artists. Yeah, from from all those in in that post finding out era, if you were to to have a bunch of artists line up. And you had to guess before the doors opened at the convention which one would have the longest line. It would be Rebecca Gay going away, hands down. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Doubt. Yeah, she's that well-loved. Oh, uh, and then uh, we also talked about like that There's this one is not a specific artist series, mm-hmm. but it sounds like they're going to have, do a little bit more with uh, guest artists. Uh, and the first of those is a well-known comic book artist, uh, Fiona Staples. Yeah, she did uh, uh, Saga, right? Yeah, uh, yep. And uh, the um, Thunder Agents, uh, okay. Superman. She did a bunch of cover work for like Superman, Batman, um, Thirty Days of Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also did uh, like some runs, interior art and runs of like Archie, Jonah Hex. Like, I mean, she's she's got chops. She's good. She's very good. Yeah, so, I, I, I've seen the work. I've not read the books. So no, yeah, sorry, but. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen her work when people talk about her. I'm like, who's this person they're talking about? And I'll go look it up. Like, oh, wow, that it's really good. Like, go go look at the art, the cover art for Issues of Saga. Yeah. That that will give you a good indication of, at least I think, of uh, what this artist can bring to the table. And that would yeah. be cool to see, like, another artist's take right. on Magic Cards. Right. Uh, and then also um, we found out that we're gonna get some more stuff kind of like the party hard shred harder yeah uh, there was a nature's lore that was spoiled and the only thing that i hate about the card is that it looks too blue i think it should look i think it should be more green it doesn't feel green enough so and i think it's just because like the text is in blue and the mana symbols are on blue and you're like is this a blue card or is this a green card yeah, so, I, I, yeah. I can see the Serendipifreet uh, issue here with this yeah. card. Uh, supposedly there's a Dinosaurs uh, uh, secret lair coming. Like like Dinosaurs the TV show? No, like Dinosaurs, oh, like man. creature type, creature type dinosaurs. So probably going to guess we'll get cards like Galta or like Gishath, uh, Zakama. Like yeah. the big legendary dinosaurs, and of course, like the the special card that will be in that set will be a like white bordered um, foil uh, colossal dread mall. Has to oh, be, uh, uh, yeah, has to be, has to be. Uh, and then they also mentioned there was this uh, one that's called Read the Fine Print, and they only say the only thing that they know they have about it is that it will contain four creatures and one enchantment, and that's it. That's all we know. Now, from what we under, from what we can extrapolate with that, of characters within Magic that are associated with something that this would imply, we're thinking it's the four demons that Liliana has a contract with, and then Demonic Pact. Could be, yeah. Could be, yeah. Uh, That's which, especially with it being being called "Read the Fine Print." Yeah, they would make a lot of sense. It, that's a that's kind of a smart idea. So, Gristlebrand incoming in that a, right. a promo Gristlebrand. Yeah. Plus, plus, where else do we see demons? Right. Innistrad. Yeah. Which is coming next year. Yeah. And Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. So the thing I hate about this is obviously I still hate this product line. Uh, I, 
I still hate. I, I like the fact that these cards exist. I just hate the way they're sold. On a scale of zero to please ban companion, companions from all formats and shoot them into the sun, I'm probably at like a seven and a half, maybe yeah. eight on secret layers. I have not purchased any. Uh, no, I yeah. I don't like. I, granted, I I came close on the the metal set, but I was like, eh. Yeah, like there there's some that kind of pulled at me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and granted, yes, I am MTG pack foils, right? But I'm talking about the foils that you can get from a booster pack. The original, the first time that particular card has been made foil into a booster pack. That's me. Not like uh, uh, cards that are given a foil treatment and printed up in Canada because they curl. Oh, um, oh, and also we have one other. The, the uh, super drop? Su- well, we have one other secret layer that is also coming. Uh, and that is the ultimate edition two with all 10 all 10 of the pathway lands yeah well i wonder so, will that be uh just a little more than 169.99 i don't know i think it's stupid because i think those are the worst lands to uh, like hinge uh, on that that's oh. that's the, that's the joke yeah i i think it's the uh, worst those are the worst lands to hinge on especially yeah. like it would have been fine if this was like secret lair you know, pathways you know zendikar pathways or something like that but calling it ultimate edition is what yeah. really puts it on on Asana to be like, well, this has got to be good. Well, and these lands are good, but they're not like that good. You know? Well, if you talk with tournament players, um, uh, all right, I, I will I will avoid throwing shade and saying that they just get their decks rented. They don't actually buy their cards, but whatever. Um, if you talk to tournament players, these particular lands are the best since the ABUR duels. Yeah, like okay. Like, they're better than Shocklands. But, like, who, what, who is this product for, though? Uh, this product is for probably the person that's in between someone who's already made it and become a tournament paid-to-play magic person and doesn't have to, you know, all they have to do is just be more skilled at the game than what they were the day before. And... The person that is playing F and M, it's nah. probably for that person right in the middle, nah. where they're like, "I'm I'm on the grind. I need to get these things to stick out." And nah, whatever. Nah, I don't nah. Know. they're they're putting these things for commander players, Scott. Well, all right, yeah, and and that, and that's the thing. Like, who plays these lands a commander? But but that well, who this, in anything more than a two color deck? Mm. That's that's the point. Like, how these cards are, how how much better are these than, uh, you know, some of your tap duels or whatnot, in a, a commander deck that's three colors or more. What are you talking like, um, the guild gates, or just like your your life gain lands? Oh, or, I would yeah. I would play these over the life lane lands hands down slam dunk. I don't no. know. I don't yeah. know. No, I would not play the coming to play tapped gain life lands oh hell no i don't know like what oh, one of the biggest problems i, I, I think i think i think the thing about this is that you're you're sacrificing the fact that you get you're getting one color on one side whereas you know you, you know if you're just playing you know duels and stuff that either may come into play tapped or may not come into play tapped that you're making sure you have access to all your colors Right, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Where like, I, know, I just don't, you, I just don't see it with with the land and play. You know, uh, as far as that land's concerned, 
you tap it one turn, say like, um, uh, I'm just going to throw out a, a random, like isolated chapel, right? Yeah. Like, uh, the turn you have it in the play untapped and you need white mana that turn. Well, next time it comes around, maybe you need black mana. I get that part. Yeah. But these lands, yeah, I, I haven't seen any data yet. I'm, I'm still searching to see if there's anything, just picking random decks if they're, Oh, uh, yep, here's, well, here's the thing, though. There's two things here with this. Number one, it's not a basic land. Actually, yeah. probably three things. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't fetch it out traditional means with Marsh right. Flats or even uh, uh, Evolving Wilds or whatever, Evolving right? Wilds, Terramorphic Expanse, that sort yeah, of thing. You yeah, you can get off an Expedition map. You can get, uh, if you're ramping with a green spell assuming the opposition agent isn't in your pod or whatever which or well be. a green spell that gets non-basic lands right exactly that also aren't land typed like, like, like far seek or right yeah like yeah, that's the thing just says that's the thing a lot of, a lot of like the land tutors don't really work well with these yeah like especially in the green decks like a lot of your green land tutors like far seek cultivate mm-hmm. kadama's reach uh, your four mana ones like explosive vegetation mm-hmm. and um, like peregrination, uh, those kind Securitas of cards. Securitas root. Securitas root. Yeah, those cards yeah. don't really work well with these at uh, all. You can get off scape shift, but it's not yeah. a land type. So why? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. So I mean, that's just it. Like, and then you're like, well, you can't fetch these. But then also, these kind of also cut into your basics if you ha- are at a point where you're needing to play basics. And you are playing a bunch of these. Well, and like, see that—that's the appeal to kind of go back a little bit here. Like, sure, you can't. There are a lot of things you can't do with them, but the fact that they uh, cut into your basics—that when you're when you're building your decks, uh, especially in Commander, you want as much as people say you need to run more basics. This, these are the slots that they take up is digging into what you would normally allocate for basic lands. Because, sure, you may have... Say you're playing Oloro, right? And you really need to wipe the board. You have Wrath of God in hand. And you draw a Swamp, and you only have one white source. Yeah. Well, in, instead, if you drew the Bright Climb Pathway, you can play the other side for Grim Climb Pathway or, 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 or to cast Damnation or play the white side if you wanted to have Wrath of God. Whatever you needed... Granted, you make that choice exactly one time. Yeah. And then, then that's locked. But, uh... I don't know. I just don't... Yeah. I just don't... I, 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 I think by the fact that they decided to call it Ultimate Edition... Yeah, that that is kind of odd. It, it just uh, makes it... There are so it, many other different lands that they could have picked. Yeah, because, I mean, granted, uh, if, if I would have been... Uh, how should I put this? Um... If if this would if this announcement would have came out in summer uh, of this year, I probably would have tweeted at Blake. Oh, so are these going to be one sixty nine or a little bit more than one sixty nine ninety nine too? Right. You know, because that's what he said for the ultimate edition of Fetchlands. Fetchlands, and the thing that rubs me on this is that with those Fetchlands, we only got the five Zendikar ones. Right. We didn't get all ten. We're here with these pathways that are this new design, and we're getting, we got six in Zendikar Rising, and we're getting four in yeah. Kaldheim, if I remember right. Yeah, and then they're printing the, the the four of those in this 
So you get all 10 in this secret layer. Right. So you get all 10 in the secret layer of these brand new designs. Yet the onslaught fetch lands are like, hey, can, can, can someone come over and, you know, scratch us where, <clears throat> you know, and get us a reprint, right? Right, right. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, sure, they were print and cons, but that was like six years ago. Right. If you don't have your onslaught fetches, I'm sorry. Maybe Santa will get them for you because <laughs> they are going up. Uh, even cards like uh, Windswept Heath are going up. And right. there's no sign of them being reprinted in the next calendar year. Right. Because Modern Horizons 2 Electric Boogaloo will have only the five uh, Zendikar Fetchlands, yep. which were reprinted in Modern Masters 2017. Right. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. Like, Wizards has us by the proverbial you-know-whats uh, because they know we need lands. Yeah. Even Oops All Spells players need land. They're just lands on the side that aren't face-up during play. Yeah. Um, or, or no, they are. Yeah. I got, I got that backwards. Either way, they know we need lands, and it's that thing that they dangle out in front of us. Yeah. And every set that comes out, what are the duels? What's the dual land cycle? What's this? And then once we find out, wow, we're excited. And then arena players are like, well, that's now like X double digit more wild cards I need to burn. Rare yeah. wild cards. And, you know, the, the cycle repeats of like the excitement, the disappointment, the concern, the question, the hope, the excitement. And then we're just, it's this constant cycle. So they can do, they can print poop emojis on all the other card types and have an awesome basic land cycle, and it will still sell because it's magic. And that that's the thing, that the lands are the key part of it. And when you buy products like the Deck Builder's Toolkit, and all you have are basic lands, or come into play tap lands, you know, if, all, if you make all your quote-unquote good duels rare, people are going to quit and wind up giving their cards to their uncle to include in his collection and sort. And just that, that it is what it is. And right. this doesn't care because you bought the product once. They got their money. They don't care what you do after that. Right. Uh, and then, so, <sighs> beyond this, we did get yeah. another piece of news about Secret Lairs that was mildly disappointing. And this is not about a new Secret Lair. This mm -hmm. is about an old Secret Lair. One that came out this year. Uh, and it is one that we talked about at length with Eric. Uh, a few months ago, about yeah. a month, uh, well, two months ago, yeah, and that is, of course, the Walking Dead secret layer, and the confirmation that it was the currently best-selling secret layer drop of all time. I mean, when that was the only secret layer drop available, and was available f to purchase the longest out of any of the other secret layers, of course, it's going to be the best-selling secret layer. Yeah, I mean, let let's just call uh, call spade a spade. Yeah, like you can't sit here and tell me. This was, uh, this was the bestseller because it was popular. Maybe this is the bestseller because Blackboard unique cards. Yeah. M maybe your your beta investment folks or whatever out there bought a bunch of them to like sell in five years. Sure, whatever. But the reason it was the most popular is because by the time that that came out, you already had this this brand secret layer. You already right. had the. I have to buy it within this window. What's next? I got to collect all these unique things. I, I like getting unique promo magic cards. What's the next thing? Oh, Secret Lair. Walking Dead? 
oh, it's available for a longer period of time than the other ones to give more people time to buy them, of course it's going to be the biggest one because of that alone. Right, oh yeah. God. Yeah, if that was available for only like three days or a weekend, it wouldn't have had the same numbers. Yeah, I... I'm not surprised, and it's it, what what they did say is that it brought in a lot of new customers to to Magic, a lot of new people that were fans of the show, that wanted to be interested in it. How do they know they're new customers? Though? Right, I know that's the thing. It's like, like where where are they getting that information? Was right. there a survey that they took or something? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did. I don't know. But then again, according to Mark Rosewater, like the average Magic player doesn't know what the stack is. So, you know. My wife quit when they made the stack. Yeah, the average... <laughs> we're not even going to get into this because this is a stupid discussion. If you yeah. want to hear people talk about this, uh, go listen to the last episode, of the most recent episode of Eternal Turtles with uh, <laughs> Phil Bleckman and Nate Golia and Zach Clark. And listen to them talk about what who the average Magic player is that doesn't know what the stack is, and it's ridiculous to consider that Mark Rosewater would say this. Well, here here's my rebuttal to uh, Roseanne writer Mark uh, Mark Rosewater, and I hope he listens to this as he's driving to work to do his drive to work podcast. Uh, pause for laughter. Um, you say the average Magic player doesn't know what the stack is. Well, you all have ruined interaction. You well, want I people. Mean, you want people to just play lands, play creatures, attack, and pass the turn. So how are people going to know what the stack is if they don't have if the quality of cards that are available do not tend to lean towards interaction and thus having a stack? I mean, here's here's the thing though. Like what they're saying is the average Magic player doesn't know what the stack is and this was all in relation to a a tweet that that was made by somebody asking uh, somehow he got involved in this tweet tweet war where it was Mm -hmm. asking about why they don't make cards that say the stack on them that much Mm -hmm. and it was literally his response was well the average magic player doesn't really know what the stack is and i'm like who is this average magic player that you're talking about right and because... it's like, who is this person? Because even your arena players, even them, are going to know what the stack is, or at least have the concept of the stack. They're going to understand that they can play a spell or play, you know, something on one of their creatures, and if mm-hmm. so- and somebody has the ability to cast something in response to cast to kill their creature. Yeah, first in, last out. Yes, they're going to understand that. They may not know exactly what it's called, right. but they understand that concept. And at some point... This is the point that was made well on Eternal Turtles. At some point, that person's going to ask somebody else. And this is how magic works. They're Mm -hmm. going to ask somebody else that question of how this works. And they're going to tell them about the stack. So don't say that the average magic player doesn't know what the stack is because it's just wrong. Like right, it, it, you're just wrong. And then, and then even worse. And mm-hmm. I was, I got, and I was listening to this and I hadn't read this far in, in the Mark's in tomorrow's tweet. I love how you're getting fired up about this. Oh, by man. the way, Go oh, ahead, it's man. so bad. Cause usually I'm the one on the pedestal. Oh, Take it's so it, bad. Man. Okay. So at some point through this tweet chain, Mark says at some point, most uh, or, or average magic player doesn't know what a planeswalker is. And I was like, what? What? 
Like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the characters that have been the face of your game for how long now? Oh and if God. some and if an average magic player doesn't know what a planeswalker is, you're doing something wrong. Right, like, especially when when <laughs> those your marketing are the... is screwed. Right. <laughs> like they uh, like Major League Baseball and young players and how they market them laughs at how Wizards is marketing planeswalkers yeah. they think that they're uh that people don't know what planeswalkers are. And that's I, why I, I... that's why I have my rebuttal because if Mark is saying the average player doesn't know what the stack is. I think he doesn't know what the average player is because no. I, in all fairness between you and I and our accomplishments and everything else, I feel comfortable that we would be considered quote average magic players. I mean, would, would that be a fair we're, assessment? We're invested magic players. We, we are, but we are, like, we are part. Uh, so the average magic player that you would obviously prefer to is somebody who's like the kitchen table magic player. But okay. even the kitchen table magic player is going to understand, you know, some concept of, you know, I play a spell, somebody can respond to it. And, and their most casual kitchen table format is Commander, which is arguably much more complex, can be oh. much more complex than any other format. Absolutely, because like, there's so many different card interactions out there right. because of the large card pool available. Like, And, and, and again, and, and not only that, you're playing a multiplayer game. Right. You're going to be playing with somebody who you're going to go, hey, how does this work? And they're going to go, well, that's the thing. Like, that's why magic right. works. Or, or, be or better yet, during, like, right now, as we're recording, there's a pod out there of Commander players where one person has said, hey, I haven't had a chance to respond yet. Right. And if that's your average player, they know what the stack is, or they wouldn't have said that to reverse right. what the person to the left of them did right. to give them a chance to respond. And then they're going to be like... I don't have a response. Just, Go ahead. I'm just it, messing with just, you. It's just, I, I like how Nate put it on, on that. Ep like I said, I, I definitely heavily recommend going and listening to this episode of oh Turtle Girls. God. It's fantastic. I like how Nate put it. He basically said, it feels like I'm being gaslit. Like, uh, yeah. like literally said, it feels like I'm being gaslit. And honestly, at that point, Mark Rosewater should just turn off Twitter and sign off. Like just well, turn it off. Don't even bother responding. Like Here, here's because because here's here's yeah here's the thing about about this, I don't think he should be responding to that way that to people like that on Twitter like that. It, it, I, well, I he don't... shouldn't be responding at all. No, and like, th and and who is approving him to do to do this? Right, like this like, whole and, and we I usually think usually when you're the you're in a position of the company who can mm -hmm. say stuff that is considered, you know, could be considered you know secretive, mm -hmm. you know, when you have access to information. That right. is, you know, obviously not ready for public consumption yet. Right, like you're under Mark, NDA, yeah. Like Mark has. Mark can't talk about upcoming magic sets because, you know, they, they're they still designing them or he can't talk about what he's designing or anything like that. Oh, yeah, they're already you know, printed in a right, box and sitting right. next to the Ark of the Covenant. Right, yeah. right. But, like, so somebody has to be looking at what he posts and saying, yeah, that's fine. Who would look at this and say, yeah, that's fine? Yeah, does he like, end it with hashtag Watsy staff? I, yeah. Yeah, because they're told to do that so or, someone can go click and scroll through and see exactly what Mark said. Yeah, like It's ridiculous. Like, th this is the thing, right? Like, there has... I This is almost as big of a brain fart as him designing companions, which, again, should be put in a canister and oh, just shot man. straight he, to the sun. He shot... Like, he definitely got real, you know, beefy on Twitter. You know like, about that, and there, like, there should be, there, there should be people 
that are of I don't want to say average age, but they that that are more in tune with technology and how social media works. Let me put it that way. Right. Or or whose job it is to interact on social media. Your people like Gavin, for example, those should be the faces on social media of Magic the Gathering. Not Mark Rosewater, not Aaron Forsyth, not anybody else on their level. They have a job to do in regards to designing cards, running companies, trying to find a way to break Wizards of the Coast away from Hasbro so they can beat their own entity because Wizards of the Coast doesn't want to deal with the things that they know, or Hasbro doesn't want to deal with the things Wizards of the Coast does, whatever. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Um, even though they're making money hand over fist on Wizard stuff, maybe not so much Hasbro stuff. Right. Uh, but anyway, you know, Aaron Forsyth, Mark Rosewater. Sure, it's nice to tweet and have a presence on Twitter. Right. But, like, I would rather talk to uh, Aaron Forsyth about whatever baseball game he went to. Like, he's a, a Pittsburgh fan, so he'll like the Pirates and the Steelers and whatever. I'd rather talk to him about stuff like that. With Mark, you know, if he opens up and, like, hey, I have a question, or if he has a poll. Like, what what type of plane would you like to see next? And we all hit Egyptian or whatever, and we got right. Amiket, right? Right. Like, granted, from the time that poll hit, the time we got Amiket wasn't long enough for them to design it. Uh, whatever, right? But still, right. like, they, they I don't want to say stay in their lane because that, that's just, that's bad, right? Uh, but they should know, like, what they should focus on. And sure, I'm not saying don't connect with people at all. Do so. Find a way to do so, because that, that's the way the world works. But when it comes down to people on our level that are like, man, this card's stupid. Why'd you guys make this card? That's where it should go to people like Gavin. Yeah. And maybe others get a group or a consortium on that level that could answer and feel those questions and uh um, what's the word I'm looking for? Eloquated? Uh, that's probably the wrong word. Speaking in an elo- eloquent manner, I guess. Right. To where it doesn't sound like you're condescending. Like, what was the thing that I talked about with, was it the Secret Lair uh, Weekly MTG and how Aaron Forsyth came down as literally condescending. Oh, yeah. Onto the entire audience. Oh, yeah. And it's like, Nah, you're still not getting my money with this BS product, dude. Yeah, tar- just just at the end of the day, like just turn off the the Twitter. Yeah, you know, just don't bother. You know, you don't need to respond. Turn yeah. it off. Just close Twitter and sign out. Like, and, and just be and, done with it. Just be done with it because it's it's you're not it's not helping. And here's the thing, and this is something I learned from our friend Aaron Campbell. If people are coming at you, and it's just not fun for you anymore. Block them. Yeah. Just yep. simply block them. That's true. Like, yeah. you know, and and people in a position like uh, Forsyth and Rosewater or whatever, they need to have that okay from their bosses that, hey, someone's coming at me. I know if I block someone, it's going to look bad from a community perspective. But I need, I need to have the clearance to block this person if... I feel they're wanting to start an argument or be argumentative. You know, I may unblock them later. I may not. I want to, I want to represent the company, but I also want to make this my space. Right. And if they can get to that level, then yes, go ahead and block people. 
And right. still don't be condescending to folks on your weekly MTG. And to be honest, these weekly MTG things that are done by Blake and and who's that dude in the shoe closet who who looks like he's eight feet tall? And like that that look just looks so freaking creepy. Yeah. Like can can you get a better setup, bruh? Yeah. Like for real. Like granted, uh, sure the the fans at home can see my webcam setup. The joke is there's none because this is an audio podcast. But like the way this weekly MTG thing is designed and set up just looks so like no one wants to be there. There's no energy. Yeah. Uh, heck, when they were talking about Modern Horizons, you had um, who was it that piloted um, the Crack Clan Ironworks deck? In Sam Modern? Black. Sam Black. No, no, not not Sam Black. Was that Matt Nass? Matt Nass. Yes. No, Matt yeah. Nass. Yeah. He had no idea when the modern format started. Yeah. He was like, uh, 8th edition, I think, uh, or something. I'm like, people look up to you for strategy and advice in this children's card game, and you can't figure out on the spot when the format started. Right. Do you know how the stack works, bro? Hashtag uh, (laughs) Mark Rosewater ask questions. Yeah. Like, Like, I'd rather see people like Cassius Marsh. That dude is amped for magic. Yeah. He's a football... He's an NFL player. Yeah. He is more excited about magic and can, can speak passionately about the game than the bleeping people that make the game. Right. Drives me insane. So, yeah, like, this secret layer stuff, dude. Like, yeah. it, it seems like... I understand that they're making money. And I understand they have this product where they're making money directly. But damn it, like, market your stuff. Make yeah. it excitable. Don't just yeah. flash us to R the card and have us get excited for, ooh, pretty shiny. Right. Be excited. Be Gavin, for Christ's sake. Because Gavin really is. Yeah. He, yeah. Like, I, He's great. I, I don't watch his Good Morning Magic episodes enough. But I, I watched a couple of them recently, and I'm like, I, I should have been watching this. Right. This is, like, he did... I don't know if you saw it, but he no. did the here's the Commander Legends cards that didn't make the cut. I, I need to watch that one because I've seen heard there there were some things in there that were like, uh... yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are some cards in there that are like, wait, what? That, yeah, it does these things and costs that little. What? Yeah, like, like it just the the fact that we're at a level to where Watsy Hasbro whatever are comfortable like yeah, show them some cards you guys are messing around with. Right, and he makes a video of it. Like, that's the stuff that we should be getting from right. Rosewater and Forsyth, right? And people on their level. But if they're not going to do that, cool. Like, talk about old man stuff or whatever. Right, right. You know, just just be part of a normal conversation, unless you are asking for input. Let Gavin be the the face on social media for magic. You know, I, I have a feeling that's, that's, that's coming. And I have a feeling that that's going to happen. It should happen right now. Yeah, no, it should. And, yeah. and, and Gavin should be the one on the weekly MTG. Right. To be like, look, I understand there's like, like when he talked about Papa recently, like, right. we, and I think we talked about down the last episode or, or recently or whatever. He's like, look, we understand that some of these cards from commander legends, uh, maybe causing problems, but we, we didn't want to pull them at uncommon, I'm going to put them at common, see what they do, and if there's an issue, we'll address it. Right. No other format has that ever been said about in recent years. 
Like, we still need Uro banned in Modern. We still need Omnath banned in Modern. Because these decks are just stupid. Like, there, there's no... You're just jamming cards together and just vomiting on the field. And you're not using the stack at all. And it's like, woo, I'm playing Magic. It, it's like the Ralph Wiggum version of Magic. I mean, I mean, you're playing Magic when... You're playing, you're using the stack when you cast Uro. Uh, the, the, stack, the, the stack is getting used. There's, uh, a, tri- there's a triggered ability. Sure. There, there's a triggered ability. There's a chance to respond to that triggered ability. Yeah, but no one plays uh, any interaction anymore. No, well, that's that's uh, it's it's getting less. We'll put it that yeah. way. That's sad. Like, yeah, it it, it is because like, the stat, the especially since still... like in Legacy, it's different. Like here, here, here's my thing with the stack, right? So, have you ever played the uh, the card game War? No. Okay. So with War, you take your average 52-card deck, split up evenly, uh, randomizing it, shuffling it out, whatever, right? Oh, like like with, like, playing cards? Yeah, yeah, with playing cards. Oh, okay, I, then I, I, I probably, I've played, yeah, I've probably played it yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah, okay, no, sorry about the, I thought you were talking about, like, an actual, like, TCG or something like that. Oh, no, 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 like, no, no, no. I haven't heard right. of this. Yeah, so, so in that, with the actual playing cards... Now, I played as a kid, playing Magic and, and first discovering the stack. That's what it felt like. It felt like I was playing War, but with like cards that had like angels and dragons and fireballs and elves and whatever, right? Right. And, and, and the stack is so important and integral to the foundation of the game mechanics in Magic. And the further away they get from it by... Oh, Play a land, play a creature, attack, and go. Right. I mean, you know, again, this all came out of a discussion where, you know, somebody was like, hey, <sighs> here's a card that mentions the stack. And somebody yeah. asking the question, why don't you guys make cards that mention the stack? And honestly, all his answer needed to be was, we just don't want to do that at this time. Right. We don't have That's space it. for reminder text for or, that. Or not not or even whatever. that. Just, 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 hey, this is not something we would lo- we are pursuing at this time. Sure. That's it. That's all you got to say. You know, you don't have to go into this diatribe of the average Magic player doesn't know what the stack is. You know, it's just dumb. So yeah, but any time a company or and or a company representative tries to uh, describe what they feel is the average person uh, uh, that gives them money, the average customer, it always, always goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, speaking of Twitter, uh, you you have a poll that you wanted to put attention yeah. to, and you should probably just link that in the show notes. Oh yeah, you're um, right. I, I probably but, I'll I'll do that at the end of the show. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and yeah. So you have a Twitter poll about what it, non-blue color has the best mono-color removal spells? Yeah, it just I I think of questions from time to time about magic. I'm always thinking about magic, much to my wife's chagrin. <laughs> um, and, and I'm sure a lot of other people out there uh may have same issues but uh and i'll i've put up twitter poll questions in the past i run them for a full week seven days just to kind of get a feel what's going on and i thought uh especially with how unfortunately things have been it's been light on magic conversation for wave hands and air 2020 why not do a new segment instead of always talking about how old i am uh do like a twitter poll and so for uh for those uh listeners watching at home uh, my Twitter poll is asking what non-blue color, so white, black, red, or green, of those colors, which one do you think 
has the best mono color, meaning it's only red or it's only white or whatever, mono color removal spells. So, and that's just that's not a format specific question, just an overall on magic. So, if you think that white with its path to exile, swords of plowshares, banishing light, O-ring, I, I was I was going to say white. You know, there are people who are saying black because we have um, eliminate and doom blade and fatal push and heartless act. And here's Cast a down. yeah, and here's a funny story with heartless act. Right, so on arena this week, uh, my opponent unfortunately uh, ultimated a. Uh, Nissa who shakes the world. However, that was after, on my turn, I thought seized their backup Nissa out of their hand. So they ultimated a, a Nissa, and they had uh, a creature land that was a 3-3 elemental land or whatever. Hmm. And it's like, cool, they're attacking. It's indestructible. Heartless act. Hmm. I will remove those three counters from your creature and, and destroy it. That was so much fun. <laughs> I'm yeah, so proud I, of myself. I would, I would honestly still say just white. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's just because of the existence of Source of Plushers. Sure. And, and the so, reason I asked this question... It's like the most premium removal that ever existed. Oh my god, it is. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, green, there's been so much talk about green lately and how much green can do everything from, uh, from land destruction to ramp to card draw to life gain to even uh, direct damage, uh, mm. you know, and, and destroying permanents. Uh, you know, green can, can do a lot. So, you know, have ads up for seven days. And if you need to know how to find a Twitter poll, uh, stay tuned to the end of the show and you'll know where to find us on social media. Yep. Okay. So, uh, let's talk very briefly about Mando. Uh, cause I know we wanted to touch on that. So the only things I have to say specifically about Mandalorian, and I'm not going to go too deep on this is mm-hmm. a Boba Fett's awesome. B Boba Fett's awesome. See Boba Fett's awesome. I have a question. Is Boba Fett awesome? Well, no, I, I know he's awesome. Like, <laughs> so so for, 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 uh, for those out there who were, quote, traumatized when Duke died uh, during the G.I. Joe movie or when Optimus Prime died uh, during Transformers movie, no, 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 no. I, I have one before all that. So in the year falling into the Sarlacc? In the year of 1983, I'm watching Return of the Jedi, and granted, I'm I'm way more of a Darth Vader fan than a Boba Boba Fett fan, but Boba Fett's cool. Yeah. But I'm like, wait a minute, he he died. Like, I was uh, here. I am like eight years old, seven eight years old. And I'm like, he's dead. Dead. Uh, yep. that's, that's it. <laughs> We're like 20 minutes in the movie and is gone. What? Yep. Yeah, so that that was me. Now, uh, he was in the Sarlacc pit, which takes about a thousand years to digest. Somewhere, uh, when he fell into the Sarlacc pit, his jet his jetpack malfunction caused him to crash from the skiff into uh, Jabba's sail barge, fall into the Sarlacc pit. Uh, it's the movie's been it's almost 40 years since return of jedi has been out so no spoiler warnings there right yeah yeah um now somehow with his still damaged armor uh somewhere between when he fell in and after all the events were set were were done with that which i think the explosion of the sail barge probably drew the attention of uh, what was that called? The the dragon or whatever from ep- season two, the crate, episode two. Dra- crate dragon. Yeah, yeah. Probably drew the attention of that to to the Sarlacc, 
and it ate the Sarlacc or killed it or did something. Yeah. But Boba Fett wasn't fully digested yet, of course, because he just fell in. So yeah. he probably crawled his way out. Like how many how many fantasy things? Like going back to even um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two, where Drax killed that creature, and he was on the inside of it though, right? Mm. So kind of the same thing, right? Where maybe Fett crawls out of it or whatever. Are you familiar at all with the the Legends canon of that? Uh. Vaguely, I'm so, sure. So, I'm sure it's in like my Marvel collection. Behind so the, me. Le- so the Legends canon has to do with the fact that he was rescued by Dengar. Ah, okay. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So there was another bounty hunter named Dengar that rescued him. Yep. So it may, yeah, they never really said. You know, they didn't say. You know, hey, this is how Boba Fett escaped. But you know, there's right. some hand waving there. But uh, we got to see Boba Fett be awesome. Right, because uh, my wife asked. With this past week's episode, no, she's like, I still understand. He was eaten by a Sarlacc, and I'm like, here, let me explain. She's like, no, I don't care. Like, <laughs> it, it just, it doesn't make sense. It's just no. dumb. Like yeah. that, that was the thing. It, um, it, it, this was making everybody, every like, you know, eight year old's dream. Oh, you know, yeah. come true just by be like, here's Boba Fett in all of his glory, and that first moment where you get to see him back in his freaking armor. And you're just like, yeah, buddy, it is on now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have a question, though, right? So we we go to, in all the movies, right, just going with the movies, I never got the sense that uh, either Boba or Jango Fett were, quote, too, uh, true neutral. Uh, uh, Boba, maybe when he was young, you know, yeah. hadn't, hadn't developed or hadn't made a choice if yet you, or yeah, whatever. If you watched, like, the Clone Wars, there's some uh, yeah. things about Boba yeah. in the Clone Wars, yeah, I, yeah, that I heard, cover his character. Yeah, I heard there's some episodes or, yeah. or whatever with that. He, um, he it basically attempts to assassinate Mace, Mace Window. Right, yeah. right. That, that's the thing. Like, from even that, that young age before he, like, grew up and did all the things they did later on, he was still anti-Jedi, anti-quote, yeah. the good guys, right? Yeah. Regardless if he was true neutral or not. So that's why I'm leaning he's neutral evil. We get to see him in Empire Strikes Back. He's working alongside Darth Vader. Right. He, he doesn't care about this Luke Skywalker kid that Darth Vader's after. He's after Han Solo. Again, neutral evil. Right. right. He's in it for himself. Yeah. He's super selfish. And will do everything to accomplish his goals. Not, well, I don't want to lean one side or the other. Uh, I, I, I want to I want to create balance. There's no sense of wanting to create balance with Boba Fett's character on screen. Yeah. Then, we, then we get to Return of the Jedi. He's hanging out with known gangster mob boss Jabba the Hutt. It's still neutral evil. There's nothing about Boba's character that was neutral. That, that made me feel like he would fight Darth Vader... Or fight the Empire. Right. Then we get to episode 6, season 2 of Mandalorian, and he's kicking the shit out of these stormtroopers. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why Why? Why is he Why is he being mean to these people? Like, because what, it's awesome. What, well, sure, but what happened to <laughs> get him to switch? He fell, or, in a, he fell in a Sarlacc pit. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with the Empire. Also, also one of the fun things that we get to learn... Uh, is some actual lore on Django. 
yeah. in that big and that you find out that Django was a foundling. Yes. And so that makes a lot of sense as to why he had the armor in the first place. Uh, because, you know, Mandalorian armor is kind of special, right? you know, to, you know, various characters, you know, especially to the Mandalorians. That stuff is special to them. Right. And the fact that uh, Mando himself, uh, Mando Dad, uh, is a foundling. uh, So maybe that there's some kinship there. Yeah, I don't Uh, know. It just, it felt from someone who has not absorbed every single piece of Star Wars content from from the first movie all the way to now, it felt kind of jarring mm. to see him go from, wait, the last time I saw this dude, well, prior to him falling in the Starlight pit, he was like doing evil shit. And now he's like being a good guy? Question mark. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think necessarily being a good guy, just mere, merely honoring the, uh, the, the, the transaction. Uh, yeah, it, it felt like a yeah. shift from neutral evil to lawful neutral. Yeah, I probably. Guess. Yeah. Uh, that That's two jumps, though. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I, I don't know. I like seeing uh, uh, Ming-Ne Wen again. That was yes. nice. She's cool. And, and, uh, and the fact that uh, she's uh, she showed off her, her, her uh, cyber... Her robot bits. Yeah, her bot bits. <laughs> Robot bits for cyber parts. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, he fixed me. Here I am. Yeah, yep. He connected the servo joint to the leg joint, and uh, there it is. And as we mentioned, uh, poor one out for the razor crust. Man, press F uh, and chat. <laughs> yeah, it's right? real bad. Real bad. Holy cow! It's not coming back from that. Uh, Gorgu gets taken by Gideon, uh, and then we get Bilber as you know Mayfield again. As yeah. the only Boston Bostonian in the entire Star Wars universe, hey. who just literally cannot change his accent, and, and he drove a big car in that episode too. That I actually really liked that sequence a lot. Like yeah. it was, it was, it was just the right amount of action that he, that we needed for this this what what they've called is like a roller coaster, and it feels like it so far. It feels like a roller coaster, right? You know, where you know we've had this episode where we had you know Boba Fett and this awesome stuff happening, and Grogu gets taken, and then we are in this you know trying to get this information and and, and like get out alive kind of business, and it's just like man, like, yeah, we're just escalating and escalating, escalating. Yeah, Man- Mando goes back to the Cardoon. To find uh, Bill Burr's character, can't remember his name. It's May- fine Mayfield. Mayfield. Yeah, May- Mayfield, because he knows Imperial codes, and he needs him to crack into an, an Imperial console, so he can find out where Moff Gideon's ship is, get the coordinates to Fett, so he can take off into Slave One, and go kick butt. Um, how they're going to get aboard and avoid all the Tie Fighters, and you know, who knows? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. Anyway. So yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, they were on a uh, Imperial Juggernaut, which, uh, funny story, before there were ADATs, there was concept art for Imperial Juggernauts. Lucas didn't want to use those, so he went with the ADATs in Empire Strikes Back. Uh-huh. Juggernauts came back later in, in uh, Revenge of the Sith or Clone Wars, one of the two. Right. Uh, and he souped them up or whatever. Uh, what that scene reminded me of was the G.I. Joe episode uh, where... Uh, they found these crystals that just kept growing, mm. and they need to be stable. If not, it would explode. 
Right. That's what that scene kind of reminded me of. Right. Um, so that that was neat. Um, episode 6 and 7 of Mandalorian. Next week, episode 8 will be the last episode yeah. of the season. But that doesn't mean there won't be anything on Disney+, Plus because holy cow. Yeah. I mean, what we have listened to in the show notes to even just, like, touch on is not even, like, the biggest part of like the whole thing so they had their disney investor day and they were talking about all the different stuff that's coming and it's like at least like 10 different series for marvel and like 10 different series for star wars and like a whole bunch of different stuff for like relative related disney properties mm-hmm. uh and also uh like pixar properties too yeah. I think the like the biggest thing i saw out of the pixar and disney properties was that they're doing a uh, a buzz Lightyear. Uh, uh, show I think it okay. is. I think it was a Buzz Lightyear show, and but it's not going to be Tim Allen. It's going to be Chris Evans. So Captain America gets to be Buzz Lightyear too. So that's kind of cool. Well, um, in this, in this day and age, politically speaking, yeah, it's probably not a good idea to have Tim Allen do anything. Yeah, that yeah, that's no, probably uh, at least, the big reason why. At least anything family friendly or family related. Yeah, let him stay on. His uh, foe network doing his anti-democratic uh, stand-up comedy yeah. shtick. Yeah, so they're going to do that. I, I saw a they were going to give uh, Princess Tiana a, a series, kind of like how they did like the series for Rapunzel with Tangled. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, That's yeah. right. They were going to do a Tiana thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, like, the biggest drawing point was the fact that we're getting so much like star wars and marvel content and, and tom uh, hanks is geppetto and pinocchio live action. <laughs> uh so I, I think for me obviously like first star wars is concerned like there was a big talk about like ahsoka with rosario dawson getting a, a series we're getting like cashian andor mm-hmm. getting his own getting a series uh which that but, that one's weird because he's dead well they're they're gonna be like I think it's just, like, talking about what led him to be, like, the person that he was, you know, because he was kind of like this this guy who was, yeah. you know, I'm fighting the good fight, but I'm not willing. I am, I am willing to do everything with, you know, everything. No cost, you know. Yeah, you know, greatness at any cost, you know, you yeah. know to get what I want because he was that kind of character. He was that kind of guy who was like, I will kill your father. But Without even a second's thought. Did, did we really need it, though? I don't know. I don't know. Like, it's interesting. I knew that they were going to do it. Right, so but, I, but yeah. do, does it feel like it's a missing story from Star Wars? No, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, it just, it uh, I think weird. I think the big, the big important hit from Star Wars perspective is the fact that we're getting a Rogue Squadron film. Yeah. Uh, and not only a Rogue Squadron film, but a Rogue Squadron film directed by Patty Jenkins. Which is insane. Yeah, yeah. and... Uh, obviously, uh, I just watched. I literally the uh, last night just rewatched Wonder Woman just because I felt like it, and uh, I can't wait for Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four because oh I, my god, I can't <laughs> either. Like Those, the the Wonder Woman is the most perfect DC movie that exists. Uh, yeah, like yeah, it's it, it, like from start to finish that movie is just excellent. I I didn't mind Man of Steel. I I, nah. I, thought, I thought it was okay. But and, Wonder Woman takes the cake but, in but general. Wonder Woman should have been the follow-up yeah, bef- before yeah. doing Batman, Batman versus, versus Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Do you bleed? Like, come on, yeah. get, get out of here. Like, yeah. who yeah. wrote this? A five-year-old? Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, I, I really enjoyed that. And, of course, yeah. like, the, the teaser 
trailer for that is sweet because she's talking about like her dad was a fighter pilot who passed away in services to the country and Mm -hmm. how she she chose to try and turn that into you know to build to create create the greatest fighter pilot movie she's ever made and now she gets to (laughs) and i'm just like oh my god the greatest fighter pilot movie ever made is literally an x-wing movie like when, when, when they mentioned patty jenkins was directing this i blanked out for the next like 30 seconds mm-hmm. like i had no idea what they were saying the fact it's like wait a minute she's from dc yep and they're, they're dc warner brothers and they're bringing her to do a disney property yeah it's great All, like like and that that's a big that's a big get like because because warner brothers put a lot of money into her projects for one woman and one woman 1984. Right. And they're doing a whole lot to make sure that her name gets out there and people know that it's a woman who's right. in front of this movie. And who also has lead. a personal, you know, connection mm-hmm. to the, to the property in terms of just the, the concept of, you know, fighter pilots and knows, you know, those, those things, those maneuvers and those right. things that there's, yeah, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, obviously like we got to hear stuff about like, Hey, Kenobi's come, they're going to, Kenobi's going to come out. Yep. Uh, they're apparently Hayden Christensen's going to reprise his role as Vader. Wait, I mean, which man, is kind of cool. It, it, it so. is. I, I'll be interested to see and in how he has grown as an actor. Oh, I'm sure he'll be fine. I, I know a lot of people didn't like him. I, I'll be honest. I wasn't a fan of his dialogue. Mm. in uh episode two right um i mean episode two is arguably like the worst so yeah i mean send send (laughs) send all your sand memes yeah uh to us or whatever yeah um arguably the worst yeah yeah it'll be be interesting to see how well he portrays vader yeah with a better writing crew right it would have also been very interesting for them to just bring in like matt lantner Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the guy who portrayed Anakin in Clone Wars? Okay, like I think he would have been pretty good at that too. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know. There's all the Star Wars stuff looks pretty good uh, as far as like all the stuff that's coming out. Uh, I am excited for the Bad Batch. Yeah, uh, that... which is the animated uh, uh, Clone Wars style about the the titular Bad Batch. Uh, which, if you didn't watch season the last season of Clone Wars, you probably won't understand who those guys are. Mm-hmm. But they're essentially a uh, a uh, platoon of clones that were uh, dejected or de- deformed in some way. They were they, that's why they call themselves the Bad Batch hmm. because they were a group of clones that weren't completely um, fully formed. So I, I I had a moment when I saw the Bad Batch trailer. And you know what I'm talking about. I, at least I hope you do. I thought for a hot second that I saw a saber whip. And I got super excited. <laughs> I right? don't know. I don't know if there was or not. I have to go back and watch. So I, I watched it. I, I blew up the screen. Roll, I went back to find it. Blew up the screen real big. And slowed it down. And no, it was not Lumia. And that's okay. No. It's fine. But still. Like... Mm-hmm. No. I'm 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 hoping I'm holding out hope. Damn it! <laughs> uh, and of course, we do know that there is a uh, a Star Wars film that is as of yet unnamed. Yeah, we don't know what it is. 
but there is a Star Wars film that is coming that is directed by Taika Waititi, uh, who is the director for Thor Ragnarok. Right, Thor uh, Ragnarok, Thor God and Th- uh, Thor Love and Thunder, jo- uh, Jojo uh, Rabbit. Yeah, uh, yeah, yep. Several one episode of The Mandalorian at least. Yeah, uh, he's been involved. So yeah, and the dude is super funny. Like he is, he is the funniest dude. He he uh, is he is known for his humor, and that's going to be the thing with, um, if, with this Star Wars movie, it's like is it if it becomes humorous? Like, I I I jokingly call Thor Ragnarok uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two. <laughs> um, Sounds about right. Right. Or, it or, is or, my. Or, I'm sorry. It Guard, is Guardians of the Galaxy three. My bad. It is my um, favorite uh, MCU film, honestly. I when I first saw it in theaters, I didn't like it because I had different, completely different expectations based on the Thor franchise up to that point. Yeah. Like anyway, that's 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 a movie I will rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. Right. So and I just love it every time because the the irreverence of that movie. Is like they sat down in that in to write that movie, and they said, "How can we make this just so, just so funny, and just not give a crap about anything that's said?" And and, and I <laughs> I get that. However, and I love it. We we know the the flack that Ryan Johnson got, and honestly, des- deserved. Right, uh, Last Jedi was, ugh. um. But, See, I, I didn't mind Last Jedi, as, uh, but again, I don't like the entire trilogy. Yeah. So like, I, my, I just, my, my thing about the entire trilogy is that Last Jedi looks bad only because Rise, uh, looks, Rise of Jedi looks... Last Jedi only looks good because Rise of Skywalker looks worse. Yeah. And it, like yeah. that's... Uh, but really, it's the whole trilogy is just awful. I, I thought Rey as a character, as far as like, here's someone who... Is kind of this generation's Luke, and and starting that was cool. But yeah, just the progression. I mean, I like I, I like I like the uh, idea that that they were like, hey, you have no connection to nobody, right? You know, and I thought that was smart. And then they retcon that so gosh darn fast. Oh, oh my goodness! They, yeah, uh, yeah. Was... And you were like, well, that sucks. Yep. So yeah. Uh, so but, yeah, I don't know. But, but yeah, so so if we take what was done with Thor Ragnarok and how that was switched so drastically from I, Thor, I would... Thor 2 with Thor Ragnarok. We do the same thing in Star Wars. Expect Twitter to blow the hell up. I would expect something that looks a lot more like what he did with Mandalorian. Right, And, and I'm not saying that Twitter would blow up in a good way. I'm saying it would be in a bad way. I don't think be- so. Well, uh, if, 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 all, if all, of Wars... the, all of the, the chatter I see so far about Taika Waititi being involved okay. in a Star Wars film is exceptionally positive. Uh, okay, I hope so. I, I'm because hope, because I'm of his for the best because of his work on Mandalorian. Sure. So he he gets it. Like he okay. gets it. Like so, don't and, don't don't get me wrong. I'm I am all down for having humor within Star Wars. I mean, if you think about it, but, there was a bit of humor in. There's been you know bounds of humor within the Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh yeah. That have been organic that's felt organic and i think he's gonna follow that right so and if he does yeah. cool we're we're, yeah, we're good i'm excited for that i just worry about like because twitter's just been a cesspool of hate lately eh, i just don't eh. want to see more of it but so yeah there, there's a ton of star wars stuff uh there's, hey, and there's a ton of marvel stuff too yeah so um, and here's the thing like they're really leaning in heavy to i think 
what will be Young Avengers. Um, yes. One of the uh, Disney Plus series that will happen, I believe, in 2022 is Secret Invasion. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm calling it now. That will be the first appearance of the Young Avengers as a team because we're going to get uh, Ms. Marvel. Yep. Uh, we're also going to get... Um, uh, we'll have... Uh, I can't remember the character's name because I'm so behind on comics. But we're going to get uh, Miss America as a supporting character in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Oh, shoot. Who else? Oh, oh in WandaVision, uh, yeah. there's... Um, Mon- Monica Rambeau and... Well, not not just that, but we're yeah, going to but... get uh, Wiccan and Speed. Yeah. Uh, th- through whatever is going on with Wanda, if whatever reality she creates can, uh, is able to exist outside of the bubble she's creating, uh, Wiccan and Speed, which will more likely show up as they go through the decades of her insanity. Right. Uh, you know, if they show up in... 2023 MCU as teenagers. Well, there you go. Right. They're, they're going to be in Young Avengers. Right. Uh, so yeah, like they're they're definitely building up to something. I have a concern, and I didn't think of this until today when I was watching Age of Ultron two because it was just on TV. Mm. With the uh, with the original MCU movies, they had like they had lines or words they would say. Like Tony would ask. Well, how are we going to defeat the next time aliens come through a wormhole? And Cap would say, together. Like, right. stuff like that, that interconnected the movies as they progressed one after the other. How are they doing that now? Mm. So. I, I, I'm i going to say this, though. Uh, the one that I'm most excited for mm-hmm. uh, at this point is Ms. Marvel. Okay. Uh, and I, because her character is so good. Uh, they did such a good job of developing this character. And I think the coolest thing about this character is all of the people that are involved in this show mm-hmm. uh, are people that are of some form of uh, Middle Eastern descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the character, the, the actress who's playing Kamala Khan is also Pakistani American. Right. And, and I, I think s- that's a huge thing. Oh yeah, for the, the show. The representation like, that Marvel was showing with the various uh, actors and directors and mm-hmm. people involved in the movies, as you watch the uh, presentation of Disney Investor Day, like it wasn't just a bunch of white dudes and a random white woman. Like right. it, it was actual people of yeah. all different creeds, and I think backgrounds, I, nationalities. I'm just a bit. I'm a big fan of the character. I think yeah, she's cool. She's very interesting. Uh, and also, they did also confirm that uh, not only is she getting this this show, mm-hmm. that she's going to be in this show, but she will show up in Captain Marvel too. Yeah, yeah. So and I think that's super cool. I, I think so, she what shows up in Captain Marvel two first, and then her show comes out. Uh, I think that's no, the timeline. Because. I don't know. I don't know now because everything's been pushed back so much. Yeah, like everything's so, so up in the air. I, I don't yeah. know the exact timeline. But uh, either way, so that that's happening. I think a sequel was supposed to come out. Uh, it was supposed to come out in, De- in December of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then things got pushed back. It says Captain Marvel 2 is scheduled to be released in November 11th, November, uh, November 11th 2022. 
and the show is supposed to also de- expected to debut in twenty twenty two, so about the same time frame. Okay, so yeah, they'll probably so, do the Captain Marvel two movie, and then a week or two later after it premieres, Ms. Marvel show up on Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, or or something that effects. So that yeah. that'll be kind of neat. Um, also, uh, in Ant Man three. Uh, yeah, Ant Man three. Yep, uh, stature will be one of the characters. So that's another young adventure. And yeah. um, uh, Hawkeye, uh, Kate yes. Bishop, with um, Hallie Steinfeld. Sorry, right. Hallie. Yeah, Hallie Steinfeld. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's so, going to be in it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another young Avenger. Uh, yeah. And yep. that's, you know, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're, they're it's cool they're doing all this, but you know, I just wonder how well it's going to do because it's going to be completely drastic from what audiences are like. Oh, these are the Avengers. You're Spider-Man, Captain America, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Right. Uh, Plus, we'll have to get, uh, like, Patriot will have to be introduced somehow, probably during Secret Invasion when the team forms. That's just what I'm thinking. Um, So so they're probably going to do that more like uh, how they've done uh, the Marvel Rising uh, stuff. Okay. So they've had this series that they've done. It's called Marvel Rising, which is an animated ver- uh, series. Mm-hmm. And it has included characters like Patriot and inc- included characters like uh, Ms. Marvel. Uh, we've also seen um, Quake show up. So maybe we see, oh, uh, you know, what's her name from Agents Daisy? of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. yeah, Daisy show up again in, you know, outside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, as part of the Secret Warriors. Well, actually, from what I understand, at the end of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Daisy was working for S.W.O.R.D. Yes. So, yeah, that that, that could totally be a connection there. Yeah. Uh, plus, with her being inhuman, uh, maybe that there's a, you know, that might help her find the, the scrolls that are impersonating uh, people on the planet and all this stuff. Uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, you um, know, what will be like super great though, What's that? that we have to get at some point if we're going to go this route is if we're going to do like some sort of like young Avengers type thing, mm-hmm. we, we got to get ourselves some squirrel girl, <laughs> like totally got to get ourselves some squirrel girl. Ah. Like that'd be just fantastic. Well, why wasn't that released with the secret layers? Right. <laughs> Uh, um, a squirrel, uh, squirrel girl is great. Like she's just fantastic. I just yeah, like they're I'm a big fan, big fan of Squirrel Girl. And they had, shoot, what was her name? Uh, let me go find it here in the Marvel Rising. Uh, Marvel Rising is uh, shoot, yes. Uh, voiced by uh, Milana Ventrube. Okay. Uh, who's been in a ton of other, ton of stuff. Uh, but she's been primarily a, like, a lot of, like, like, rom-com type stuff and, like, uh, stuff like This Is Us and... Mm-hmm. But she's also done, like, Robot Chicken and, like, all this other, like, voice acting stuff. And she did, you know, several... Uh, stints uh, with this Marvel Rising series as Doreen, uh, Doreen Green's Squirrel Girl, and like that's pretty cool. But nice. so yeah, so we get so who are the characters we get? So we get um, uh, so we get Patriot, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, R- 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 Rashawn Lucas, Patriot, yeah, uh, yeah, Miss Marvel, uh, um, 
stature. I didn't see stature in this one. She was he wasn't in this one, but oh. uh, America Chavez. Yeah, yeah, that, which that's is, who was I'm Miss, Miss America, Miss America. America. Yeah. yeah, yeah, America Chavez. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that, those kind of characters. Uh, so, and if there's Inhumans involved, since it's mm-hmm. secret invasion, right? Uh, we'll probably get some Kree. Yeah, uh, invo- I, I, involvement. I, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, so there could also be. Um, Who's this character? Uh, uh, Marvel Boy? Maybe, yeah. Uh, Hala the Accuser. Okay. Uh, which is one of the uh, Kree warlords. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's also a possibility. Other Inhumans, maybe. Like, bad Inhumans. Yeah. So that'll be fun. But, but uh, so yeah, that, that'll be neat. Uh, I For me, uh, there's really only one one series that's coming that I'm exceptionally interested in. Uh, and that's of course Loki. Uh, okay. And I'm just I'm super excited for Loki. I, I'm am uh, I am more for uh, She-Hulk. I want <laughs> I want to see She-Hulk. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. I'm I'm excited for that too. Uh, and that's going to be interesting as well, especially since they also said that Ruffalo would be making an appearance. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it, it totally makes sense with the character in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And apparently, also they're going to bring back. Tim Roth's uh, Emil Blonsky, The Abomination, as well. Interesting. So, uh, and, uh, yeah, um, I'm excited for that. The actress that they got pegged for She-Hulk looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Uh, but, yeah, for, I'm, I'm just super amped about Loki. Uh, because it's the, the thing about the Loki series is, like, this is the Loki from Endgame. Yeah, where, where he picked they, up the Tesseract and disappeared. Yeah, yeah, it's that Loki. So this is like a Loki before he kind of like ends up in, uh, you know, a space, a headspace. You know, this is pre-four Ragnarok Loki. Mm-hmm. So this is a Loki who's not in the headspace yet where he's, he's happy to be like Thor's brother and also, you know, happy to be Asgardian. Yeah, he's you know, he's literally causing mischief. Like the yep. the the sizzle trailer they had for it, he was bouncing around all different things. Like there's a scene where he's coming and he's like falling or flying out of a plane. Yes. And then um the Bifrost the, the, carries him yeah, away. Yeah, the Bifrost takes him away. Yeah. And it's like, Whoa. Yeah. So. And like so basically what I understand is that like he gets picked up by the the time variant support authority. Yeah. And he's just like running around time. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, I, I, first of all, like I love Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. and I'm just like, yeah, I love, I love Tom Hiddleston. He's just a fantastic actor and I'm just excited to see him more of him. It, and I just like his characterization of Loki it, very much. It should be a lot of fun because after Mandalorian, you know, then we switch over to the Marvel stuff. We get the insane mind trip of WandaVision then we get the action-packed uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, where I think Zemo is the because uh, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he's still alive from Civil War, so Zemo is yeah. the bad guy. And then we get to do some goofy stuff. Like this will be a nice palate cleanser with yes. Loki if that's the next one. Now, yeah. one thing I wanted to touch on with uh, Ms. Marvel, if you go look at the sizzle trailer for that or footage or whatever, it feels very much like. Uh, a somewhat similar treatment that they did with Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Where there's a very much of a, a teenage drama, and there's this boy that she likes, 
or at least it's what it looks like on on, on screen and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so expect a lot of that. Uh, so that should aim at the proper demographic for that to build up uh, a fan base as those kids and teens get older and and grow with the character. So kudos to Marvel and Disney for doing that. Yeah. Um, there's no X-Men news. No. However, there is some other news. With Ant-Man 3, the villain is King the Conqueror. Yep. And they mentioned that at some time in the future, probably 2023, but the last thing that Kevin Feige mentioned was Marvel's first family, the Fantastic Four. Yep. Now... No actors or actresses were mentioned for Fantastic Four. However, they did mention the actor for Ant, for uh, who's playing King the Conqueror in Ant-Man 3. And he is an African-American. Mm. Now I'm going to put this here for a minute because some people don't know. King the Conqueror is Nathaniel Richards. Nathaniel Richards is supposed to be the son of Reed Richards. Right. So... What if, which what if is actually going to be a series, and and on Disney Plus from Marvel. But what if Marvel's first family is not white? I'm okay with that. I, I I am too. Yeah. I'm just saying, what if this is something to watch? Now, right. if they don't do that, then obviously King is not Nathaniel Richards, and his story is from a completely different part. They could of do that Marvel, too, which is totally cool. Like, I, yeah. I'm all for it. My main concern is that they do a Flash TV show with all these characters who are like, well, it's the multiverse, so here's a new character. That's just, yeah. that's too cheap. I want yeah. the multiverse to be something where, like, Doctor Strange level type villains, like, uh, like Dormammu, but, but obviously not just Dormammu. Like, right. try and use that to invade this reality. Or, like, or, or just leave it to Spider Man. Nah, nah. Or, or, like, yeah. Or like, I, or, or like I think, the the brood, like the brood would be cool, right? Yeah. Uh, or the phalanx, something. But yeah, if we do anything with Spider-Man and quote the multiverse, I hope it's just Madam Web showing Spidey all these different realities where, you know, he's not alone with his struggles and teaching him a lesson, and you get little cameos from people or whatever. Not Spidey jumping through dimensions or whatever. Just no, come on. I. I... Would be okay with any amount of Spider Verse stuff, uh, but because that movie, because uh, we already had that. Yeah, I I haven't watched it. Oh, that movie's great. I, I could I could rewatch that movie over and over and over. I guess I'm just it's I'm, I'm so not, good. I'm not a Sony fan. So. It's 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 incredibly interesting from okay. a film standpoint. Like right. even just just being a movie, that movie is just so good. It, they just did such a good job with every little bit of thing of it that I just, I love it so much. And uh, I, I will watch that movie over and over and over. Uh, so, and, and, and if our listeners at home don't really know yet, like what we're talking about, like the, they, they've announced like literally everyone under the sun that could be announced for Spider-Man three for the Spider-Man far from home sequel. Uh, and that includes everybody from Jamie Foxx's electro, from the second uh, Amazing Spider-Man run, which is Andrew Garfield's run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also are getting Doctor Strange. Uh, we're also getting uh, the um, Alfred Molina, Otto Octavius, Doctor Octopus from Spider-Man 2, from the, the Tobey Maguire run. 
We're also getting, apparently, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. <laughs> and apparently we're also getting Kirsten Dunst's Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> and I'm just like, and uh, the only thing I'm not, I'm actually somewhat upset about, and they actually talk about, is that there's no, uh, at least no announcement yet of us getting uh, the OG Tobey Maguire. Like, just having, like, okay, if we're getting Andrew Garfield, let's just go to the full nine and just crank it up to 11. Like, we went this far. Let's just let's just go farther. Look, like, it's fine. You know? Let's I, just have all three of them. I'm going to be in it. <laughs> right? I mean, Like, that, who, that, who isn't at this point? Like, uh, oh, my God. No, see, this is what will happen, right? So, uh, our, our Spidey, right, and then Tobey Maguire Spidey will wind up meeting up uh, and then somehow Tobey Maguire will see maybe a poster or something that our Spidey also plays Magic the Gathering. And so there'll be a <laughs> yeah. conversation, and then Tobey Maguire will look at him and be like, are you an average Magic player? Do you not know the stack? <laughs> Yeah. I, I figured that'd be a good ending for our show. I, I think I think that would probably be like, hey, you know, we could do this. They mentioned that they want they they could have probably done it, but they, um, I think they wanted to, uh, kind of let not wanted to lessen the impact of what Into the Spider Verse did, yeah, as a film, at so soon, you know. So I don't know. I'm I'm curious. Like I yeah, but it's gonna be interesting. Now I am thoroughly excited to see Alfred Molina's Otto Octavius again. Sure, I, I get I that. I thought he was a really fantastic Doc Ock. But if you if you do this with End of the Spider Verse, and then you do this with Spider Man Three, and then you do this say with Spider Man Four, or you do it with another Marvel movie or property, it's just going to get old hat. That's what happened to the Arrowverse shows, especially yeah. the Flash. It's like, I, I feel you there. Uh, I think what makes Spider-Man interesting in that regards is that there's always that they've done like the Spider-Verse stuff in the in the books mm-hmm. so much that it's just kind of become part of the the mythology at this point that every world has a Spider-Man and that there's a reason why. Sure. Uh, and it's not just like typical multiverse theory that it makes that that makes each universe have a have a spider-man there's an actual understanding and reasoning why and it has to do with the great web that they actually are all tied together through this this web of multiverse verses universes yeah but like that that I, there has to be a spider-man and, in some form or way there has to be a spider-man and i i get that to the point where um our earth and say Earth six one six, just to put it out right, there, right? Right, right. Which I think our Earth is two eighty five, if I remember. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, so I don't remember. Yeah, we 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 each have a Spider Man, but only unless some giant beyond Civil War, or I'm sorry, uh, beyond Secret War, beyond Infinity Gauntlet, even type event happens, should one Spider Man leave their world? To go to another temporarily, right? They should always go back home, right? Like, so I, I think, I think what we are, are obviously like the presence of Doctor Strange in this movie mm-hmm. says a lot in that regards. 
And that's probably where this comes from. Oh, yeah. It's probably Doctor Strange mainly being involved in that. Right. Not only Doctor so. Strange, but also the next Ant-Man movie. As right. the Quantum Realm is also right. involved in all right. of this, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, it, it should be relatively interesting. I'm, I'm curious because I... Just think it's it's interesting. I've always been a big fan of the various Spider Men that exist, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm hoping at some point uh, that this also means that we will likely end up seeing uh, a character like Miles Morales end up in one of the live action ones. Right. And Joe and, and I had a conversation about this uh, in between recordings of last week and or last episode and this episode. Uh, unfortunately, we have figured out that Miles Morales. Is also owned by Sony, yeah. So there, there's never going to be a way to break from Sony and have Spidey be just in the MCU without yeah. Sony being attached. Yeah. I I still want a Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I want to see Peter go enroll at Empire State University, and he goes to his dorm room and he meets Angelica Jones and Bobby Drake, his roommates, and I would be so happy. Yeah, I now. I will say this. I would be very interested in eventually seeing a, um, and I know we're not going to ever, probably never going to see it, but it would be cool to see like the Flash Thompson, uh, like, and obviously the Flash Thompson we have in the uh, MCU Spider-Man doesn't really jive with that concept. Oh yeah, no, not all. Yeah, but like the the, uh, Agent Venom you know the the Flash Thompson hosting the Venom symbiote. Okay, w- would be kind of cool to see, because uh, he kind of becomes this like sh- agent of Shield, who you know fights, you know who uses the symbiote as a tool, and uh, becomes like this badass gun toting, <laughs> you know. But it works for the Flash Thompson of that universe because he's like the jock. Yeah, you know he has the you know. So I don't know, this, uh, but that, is, that would be cool to see too. This is where I could see like um, an alternate universe, or, or the what ifs could do stuff yes. like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What what if Flash Thompson got the Venom symbiote? Yeah, right. Because because yeah. one, one of my issues with characters like Venom and like Wolverine is back when they were introduced, you put them on a comic, uh, regardless if it made sense for them to be on that team, like say Guardians of the Galaxy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was only done, so you bought the book. So Venom fans of Venom bought the book or whatever, right? Kind kind of like our Secret Lair Walking Dead thing, right? You know, right. you get different fans to cross over and buy stuff that they normally would not be buying. I get it from a business standpoint that makes sense, but from a story and continuity standpoint, it just it goes to crap, uh, <laughs> and it's too it's too much too much Venom. It's like oh cool here's this character who's gonna you know beat up and and kill innocent people or or maybe people that are chasing him that he could just subdue he's gonna kill them and it's all for good because we're edgy you know mm-hmm. or like wolverine right like he didn't maybe necessarily need to kill that guardsman inside the um um uh, the the holdout of um oh i'm tired i can't think anymore yeah. Uh, of uh, maybe, maybe he he you know is, is doing something bad, but it's all for good, and it's edgy and and cool, and 
It's like, no, he's a freaking homewrecker. He broke up Scott and Gene, or was trying to. Like, yeah. st- like, stop it. Get, get, get out of here with this indestructible guy who has no flaws. Like, that, that's okay though. He can break up Scott and Gene. I hate those characters. No, no, I'm sorry. Look, look, no, that 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 gets right at my soul, man. No, that uh, that's that's the couple, dude, right there. I I can't stand either of them. So, well, they're 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 my least favorite uh, Marvel uh, characters. I'll be that, honest. Some of the best X Men books that have ever been written have not had Scott or Gene anywhere in them. That's fine. <laughs> so there's that. So. But but yeah, no no X-Men stuff, some Marvel stuff, some Star Wars stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's going to be good. So granted, uh, staying at home sucks, but we're going to have a lot of content to watch. And if you are not on Disney Plus yet, now you really have a reason to. If, right. if you are a fan of either Marvel or Star Wars properties. Right. Uh, in other news, I also did manage to finally finish, uh, season two of Doom Patrol. Nice. And, uh, yeah, the second season is just as crazy, uh, as the first season. Uh, but they did a really good job with character development. Okay. Like the character development, like is insanely good throughout the entire season. Like they really did a good job of, uh, making you, uh, connect with each of the characters Mm -hmm. which i and that's hard to do in like an ensemble show yeah like you know when you have like you know five or six characters you know and you're like okay how are they gonna make us care about the characters because there's five or six characters and somebody's gonna get left by the wayside Uh, that's true but i think we've had several uh, blueprints for uh, yeah proper development of of those type of shows from oh yeah the various star trek shows all the, yeah. the Marvel movies we just mentioned uh, that right. already happened. So yeah. So they they did a they did a good job with that. I was yeah. they they really managed to make you like okay, I I care about you know, uh, Brendan Fraser you know, <laughs> uh, and whatnot. So. And, and that is on HBO Max, right? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I guess somebody pointed out you can watch the first season on Amazon Prime, but it's not included with Prime. It's not like one of those things where it's like included with Prime. Huh. Like you, you know, you you can't watch it for free with Prime. You have to you, pay you for your watch Prime it. membership yeah. and then rent it, right? Yeah, yeah, rent it or buy it. Yeah, and then, but that's you only get season one. Yeah. Uh, season two is all on HBO Max. Okay. So I was like, okay, well that's cool, but like season two kind of like ramps it up, like yeah. a lot. So, uh, well worth it. Uh, I think my next dive into. Uh, is gonna be likely gonna be Titans, just because I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've heard good and bad things about it, and I want to see for myself. Fair uh, enough. Because uh, it's supposed to be pretty good, but I don't know. Like, I'm curious. Uh, and then I also want to get into. Uh, there's a show they got on there. It's one of their HBO originals, uh, HBO Max originals. Uh, also HBO original, I guess. Uh, it's called uh, Lovecraft Country. Yeah, and I'm very curious about sitting down to watch that. I so. uh, yeah, that's I've heard really good things about it. I, I heard really so. good things about that. I heard good things about Watchmen. I I, mm, I want to watch that too. Yeah, yeah. I watched yep. the first episode, and I, and I think this is something we may have talked about either pre-show or during the show uh, when we start recording. But yeah, it's one of those shows I watched, and I. Let's just say I learned a lot from the first 10 minutes of uh, <laughs> things that I, as someone who likes to at least try and pay attention to the world around him, uh, had no idea 
uh, as that actually happened and had right. no idea that I'm not the only one that didn't know that what happened. Yeah. Uh, just, it's yeah. So I've heard, I've heard really good things about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When, so. when shows have good subject material that they pull from uh, right. and to get you invested from jump, like mm, th- those are shows I really want to sink my teeth into and right. find out if the rest of the story is just hogwash or if it's actually good. Right. And what I've heard about Lovecraft country is that you go into the show expecting like a lot of like, cause, cause obviously it's in the name you right. expect, you know, Oh, HP Lovecraft. The show's going to be like about like, you know, crazy Cth- stuff happening. Cthulhu. You know, Cthulhu. Yeah. And you get this like really deep show about race relations. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm like, I'm like, I'm interested now. Like, I'm just like, this sounds interesting. Yep. So I'm, I'm, gonna probably try to dive into that yet but i have to decide yeah, I, have to, I have to find find the time and find space where i can watch it that uh because obviously i have a six-year-old well, <laughs> and that's, that's a lot of these shows i can't watch with a six-year-old around. right there's that yeah. um and, and i'm kind of i'm not in the same boat but uh when it comes down to time even as someone who has raised a kid that the fact that you're so used to compartmentalizing your time like even after the kid is gone, it's like it's not like that time is now suddenly there, like right. because of just how you're wired. Like, for instance, right now I'm actually going to F and M every Friday night, but it's not magic; it's Final Fantasy night magic because right. I've been playing uh, Final Fantasy One on the NES Classic on right. Fridays. So that's time I could be spending watching shows or playing my characters on the Neverwinter Nights Persistent World I play on. But no, I'm going through some of my favorite games uh, and experience them now, some of them 20, 30 years since I've played them. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, there's there's a lot of stuff to do. We can't do it all. Uh, yeah. just, it, it's impossible. But, you yeah. know, find the things that you like to uh, that you like to do and just make sure you keep uh, in your wallet uh, a little pamphlet that tells you exactly how the stack works in case you're ever asked. Yep. And of of course, uh, we've still been the one thing that we can watch at least together uh, it, it, for some of the days is that we're still watching Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, and so I've been still steadily making my way back through Tenet's run. Okay. At this point, uh, which has been great because I, I, there are so many episodes of Tenet's that I just loved. Uh, and he's absolutely one of my favorite um, of the modern era doctors mm-hmm. and I, so i just i'm like yeah i remember how intense tenant was i love it like <laughs> just the most intense dude i mm. i still think he would be perfect for for mojo yeah uh or, or um oh mojo yeah 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 yep. you're right yep have you seen that they're making a modoc show Oh yeah, with uh, with Patton Pat, Oswalt. Yeah, Patton Oswalt. <laughs> I love it. It's great. I just I saw the like the the teaser for it. I was just like, okay, I'm on board. Yep, <laughs> like totally on board. Like, this is goofy, and it's like the Modoc and like the Modoc and his family. Yeah, it's like this goofy <laughs> animated sitcom type show. It's great with a with a guy who's running AIM, yeah. which is trying to take over the world. It's just great. Yeah. <sighs> so, anyways, uh, we should probably wrap up. Uh, so. And get on to talking about our social media stuff and all that fun stuff. So yep. uh, let's uh, start with Scott and have Scott tell us, everybody, where they can find his content and him on the Internet. 
and go from there. All right. So if you want to check out my Twitter poll, uh, you can find me at MTG Packfoils on Twitter as well as Facebook. Uh, you can also find my articles over at LegitMTG.com every Thursday. Uh, Joe, you also write articles. Where can people read you and find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FullRathXP. You can also find my articles every Tuesday and every Thursday uh, at um, MTG Goldfish, uh, This Week in Legacy, and uh, Vintage 101. My Legacy article was a little little late this week, but it was fine. It was posted on Wednesday. Instead, that happens on occasion. Don't worry about it if it does. Uh, you can also find the cast at the Astrolab cast uh, and whatnot. Uh, you can also email us at the Astrolab podcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, uh, if you like checking out different podcasts and stuff like that, I was on Leaving a Legacy this week. Cool. Uh, so go check out Leaving a Legacy. Uh, we talk a lot about like this uh, whole data project uh, that I've been uh, working on uh, and whatnot. Uh, and I also we also talked a little bit about The Mandalorian. We also talked about why Jeremy is wrong about Rogue One being a bad movie. What? what? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. His his hot take is that Rogue One is a bad movie, and I, I had to remind him of how wrong he is. Let me guess. So. He's, he's a fan of the uh, of the new uh, trilogy. Oh no, he didn't like those either. <laughs> so, I don't know. I I don't get it. Okay. But uh, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, you're you're most certainly wrong. Some uh, and people's then, children. Yeah, and then also uh, definitely check out like we've talked about earlier, uh, Eternal Dirtles. Uh, go check out their most recent episode talking about uh, the stack and average magic players. And honestly, it's just well worth the listen. Uh, those guys are fantastic. Yeah, so. maybe next week for show topics, we should just check out Mark Rosewater's Twitter to find out what's <laughs> about. Yeah. So anyways, uh, that brings us to the end of episode 26 of the Astrolab podcast. So uh, thank you guys for listening uh, and have a great night. Uh, and we'll see you guys next week. This is the way. This is most assuredly the way.